I'm so pumped to uh, talk to you about all things ketones and ketosis. Strangely enough, uh, this is a, a topic that I've never covered in seven years. I've kind of seen the waves of like the whole keto craze come in and I don't know if it's gone out, it's probably coming in more and more and I just haven't found, I don't know, the impetus and interest in it because it's not like the keto diet is not something that I've ever really been able to wrangle and there has been much confusion on my end around taking ketones. Um, but I feel like it's something that a lot of people are obviously interested in now, and I would be remiss to not explore it. So I'm super excited to talk to you, Michael. And I would say the main reason we're having this conversation is because I'm freaking obsessed with this ketone IQ product. And for those listening, like I don't want to be a product shill guy. It's not like my objective here, but when I find something super cool, I just selfishly want to talk to the people behind it and learn more about it. Um, we didn't, you know, open the cabinets in my kitchen, but there are, I could safely say hundreds of different supplements in there. And there's probably 10 that get used on a daily basis and and you guys made the cut which says a lot i mean it's to the point where i feel like nervous if i run out of it <laughs> you know that's how much it's impacted me so i'm really excited to uh to chat with you today well glad it's doing good things for you luke and really glad to be here to have a great conversation today it's gonna be a fun one yeah me too man me too so uh, so many questions i have I guess I'd like to start out just you, um, you're a co-founder yeah. of HVMN. That's right. What does that HVMN stand for? It stands for Health Via Modern Nutrition. When we first started the company, we were exploring what could be a breakout concept in modern nutrition. And then when the keto diet and intermittent fasting were taking off, we actually created one of the largest intermittent fasting groups online. A lot of people, were, including ourselves, were jumping through all these hoops to get their ketones up. And it kind of hit us in the face, hit me in the face to say, hey, if we're doing all these things to get our ketone levels up, like I did a seven day long fast and was measuring my ketone levels along the way and feeling really good. And the light bulb went off to say, hey, if we're doing all these things to get our ketones up, why can't you go to the store and just buy a shot of ketones? I share those sentiments. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, it's a... Not easy necessarily to get into ketosis, although like through you know a natural lower sugar diet with movement, you are going in and out of ketosis on a regular basis. But the point being that that feels really nice. A lot of people are going after that state, and how can we make it easier for people to get into that state and fuel with ketones on a more regular basis? So we started the company. I started the company with my co-founder to look at interesting ideas in human performance and nutrition. And then we created the world's first ketone drink. We got a big contract with the Department of Defense Special Operations Command. They are really interested in exogenous ketones for physically, cognitively demanding missions. And then through our work there, we continued iterating on the supply chain formula and were able to get, get something that was viable for the broad consumer market from like a taste, palatability point of view. And we launched that to the consumer world about a year and a half ago. Amazing. I, I find that some of the coolest things that come out are just because a founder 
want something that doesn't exist. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? And I, I had the experience over the past few years, I've toyed with the ketosis and we'll, and we'll define what all this means momentarily. But, uh, you know, I'd get the ketone monitors and try to cut my carbs and just eat fat and protein, whatever. And I mean, honestly, I found it nearly impossible to get my levels up to a substantial uh, ketone level. It's just, I'm like, there's carbs in everything, right? And I'm like, would be at the end of the day, I'm like, yeah, I bet it's going to be really high. And I would check and it'd be, I wouldn't be in ketosis. And I'm like, what did I eat? And I'm like, oh, I had cheese. I don't know. I don't even know yeah. what it was, right? Just like everything has some carbs in it. And to try to get under that threshold of whatever it is, 20 grams or I don't even know, you can school us on that. But I just gave up. I, I feel really good the fewer carbs I eat, but it's just like so impractical, even for someone like me that I'm not like, I don't eat a lot of grains and things like that, but it's just like, oh my God, this is exhausting. So I just kind of gave up. So I had, um, had you not done it, I might have done it because I love the feeling, right? Like when Bulletproof Coffee first came out, yeah. I would have one of those in the morning with the, with the C8 MCT and some butter and I would find I wasn't hungry for hours and hours. And it was just like my productivity and mental clarity and energy were really high. It wasn't like the distraction of having to constantly be eating to maintain my energy was really interesting. And that's kind of what led me into the idea of being in ketosis. But oh my God, super freaking hard. Uh, so many people listening will know what ketones are, what a keto diet is, because they probably go to Whole Foods and see there's a whole section of keto this and keto that. But for those that are unaware, maybe just give us the um, helicopter view of all of this. Yeah, and let me start by saying that I'm not a keto dieter. I eat carbs. I'm a marathon runner, so I'm running a lot. I run 80 miles a week. I'm actually building towards. Oh my God, I'm dude! Building towards. Uh, you got the Chicago Marathon coming up. So really? I'm, I'm competitive. I'm not, you know, going to the Olympics or anything. But sure. I'm, I'm a, I run like six minute miles for the marathon. Pretty serious amateur marathoner, and I have carbohydrates. I have a lot of ketones, protein. I, I'm very dialed in across my whole nutrition. But I, I say this all to say that I'm not a keto diet purist. And a lot of people in our community, a lot of people who have ketone IQ are, are not keto dieters. We have some for sure. And it does help complement a keto diet. It's completely keto diet compliant. It's just a ketone. But what's cool about it is that it's a really good source of energy that you can stack on top of pretty much any diet. And let's define some of the terms that just to answer your question there. Like keto diet, short for ketogenic diet, meaning that when you eat low sugar, whenever your blood sugar is low, your body and especially your brain need an alternative fuel. Your brain can use sugar, blood glucose, or it can use ketones. And so when your blood sugar is low, your brain needs something to fuel itself with. And that's where we turn fat into ketones. Fat itself can't cross the blood-brain barrier, so that's not an option. So whenever your blood sugar is low, you need to turn fat into ketones, and those ketones provide your brain with energy. That's why humans have the ability to make and use ketones for 300,000 years. So in that sense, ketones are the oldest form of fuel. Humans are really good at making and using ketones. We, ha we have a really large brain for our body mass. We have the largest, most complex brain of any organism on the planet, and that's largely due to our ability to make and use ketones because we don't always have carbohydrate 
availability, especially in an ancestral context. So ketogenic diet is an extreme form of that where you just never eat significant carbohydrates. So you're always producing ketones. You're always in a carbohydrate depleted state and you're always producing ketones. There's other ways to do that. For instance, if you eat a little bit of carbs and then you go exercise and burn off the, the blood sugar. And a lot of times people can measure this with a continuous glucose monitor. If you eat carbs and then you exercise a lot, well, then you're like net carbs in your system is going to be low because you ate some and then you burned a bunch and then you'll be making ketones. So if I come back from a run and I measure my ketone level, even if I had like a apple, something with carbohydrates before the run, by the end of the run, my body will have started ramping up its ketone production. Fasting, similar story there, where if you're, well, in that case, you're not eating anything, your blood sugar is going to go low, and then your body will start making ketones to support your body and especially your brain's energy demands. So keto diet, exercise, fasting, these are all ways to get your blood sugar low and then induce your body to make ketones. Where I stand on it is, look, I think the keto diet has its place for, some people are really drawn to it. It just feels really great. They do not have a hard time with it. They just feel really good. It works for some people for like really aggressive weight loss. You got to get beach body ready in eight weeks. Like it's, it does work for a lot of people for aggressive weight loss. And then some people are for medical reasons as an adjunct for cancer treatment or for different psychiatric disorders. Chris Palmer talks a lot about, he's a Harvard MD psychiatrist. He talks a lot about how getting people off of sugar can help regulate brain energy and help people with mental symptoms that they're having. So there's there's specific way, ways where it's a fantastically effective diet. For a lot of people, what I like to say is like, is like you want to be spending time in and out of ketosis. Like you don't want to be standard American diet where you're having three meals a day plus snacks of like processed carbohydrates, like starting your day off with frosted flakes, having Reese's <laughs> peanut butter cups and a Coca-Cola for like, like if you're constantly like overloaded on sugar, that's not great either. But there's there's a lot of shades in between where you can have some carbohydrates, you can have more complex carbohydrates that are slower to spike your blood sugar. And then you, as you're living an active life, you're, you're burning down a carb amount that you didn't even have that much carbs of to begin with. And then your body's making some ketones. But then you go out for dinner and you have pizza with your friends and you're living life and you're, you're having some carbs. Like this idea of like having it in balance and going in and out of ketosis matches to the ancestral context of how many humans were. Ancestral humans didn't have, there's no peanut butter cups on the savanna, but there was, you know, some stuff. There was grapes and berries and grains and like there, there was carbohydrate containing foods in it sometimes in some seasons and some areas, but it wasn't the modern context of like so much carbohydrate. So I like to think about it in terms of like going in and out of ketosis and just like a, from a diet perspective, and then what we made with Ketone IQ is just a, a pure ketone shot. So when you drink Ketone IQ shot, it's 10 grams of a ketone dial, and then that immediately raises your blood ketone levels, and you have this really metabolically efficient, non, there's no sugar in it, so it doesn't spike your blood sugar, doesn't spike your blood insulin, really metabolically healthy. It's a fuel source that you can use as part of this overall picture of a metabolically healthy lifestyle. Well, I'm so glad you guys did that because it's, it's making my life a lot easier than trying to be keto. And thinking about the the ancestral approach, you know, for many years now, of course, many people are familiar with the paleo diet and carnivore diet and all these different diets. I'm I'm just not a fan of diets, I think. 
I don't, I'm not on one. I've never really been on one for any particular uh, or extended period of time. But thinking about the way hunter-gatherer people that came before us would have eaten, um, it seems pretty obvious, as you said, that depending on what was available in the environment, um, geographically and also seasonally, that sometimes people would have been eating a lot of animal protein and fat, and then that would become unavailable, and then they're foraging for berries and honey and things like that. And you can see this. Um, my favorite current show is Alone, which I just described. I didn't know there were all these past seasons because I don't watch a lot of TV. And somehow I found it maybe last year. I watched one season. I thought that was it. Found another one recently. I was like, oh, it's over. And then a friend of mine was like, dude, you know, there's like nine seasons. So I paid for Hulu. And now literally every night I'm watching like two or three episodes just because I like to feel inadequate. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so weak and domesticated. It, it's kind of inspiring, you know, from that point of view. But to the point of this, you can see kind of, I mean, you have a person who's alone, right? So their experience is going to be different than a tribe of people where there's more allocation of uh, effort in terms of procuring calories. But you can see like, man, if you're out in nature and, you know, we're pre-agriculture, really what people are looking for is the fat and protein. And then they kind of just eat plants and berries because they can't get the fat and protein. And this is a, a, a pretty consistent trend, right? So that tells me, okay, left to our own devices in a survival, you know, undomesticated, unindustrialized scenario, the body seems to want to go for the slow burning fuel of fat aka ketones more so than the quick burning fuel of glucose from carbohydrates it's much more energy dense and it's also much more satiating per calorie if you sit down and eat to your heart's content you eat hard-boiled eggs you can eat not 10 like there's a limit where you're like you're just going to feel completely stuffed when it comes to like a bag of of candy or something really heavy in, in sugar, especially like refined sugar that hits your system right away, it is almost like limitless how much you can eat of that. And it's true, like you can, it's, it's objectively quantifiable. There's a lot of studies on this of like different foods and the, the satiety index of different foods. So like something like steak is going to be very satisfying per, just per gram per calorie that you eat. And you can measure, like you can subjectively ask people like how full do you feel or not. And you can also objectively measure like hunger hormones. So one thing that we've seen with ketones is that when people have ketones, so if you have the same amount of calories of ketones versus sugar, then objectively your ghrelin, which is your hunger, one of your hunger hormones, uh, it, is, it is significantly lower when you have ketones versus like the isocaloric, like same amount of sugar. So it refutes or at least like puts a wrench in the idea of like the calories in, calories out model. Like fundamentally it's right where like, you have calories coming in your system, then there's calories that you expel through the energy that you spend in the world. But with the big asterisk next to it, that like not all calories in are are the same. So like 2,000 calories of blueberries when you're trying to survive, like first of all, it's going to take you a lot of effort to go and find all those blueberries uh, if you're alone in where's uh, they're in like Alaska or all over the place. The one I'm watching now they're in Mongolia because I went back to the beginning. Yeah. First couple were Vancouver Island. There okay. are these 
horrid. I mean, beautiful. Okay, but horrendous places to survive. <laughs> yeah, know? they never put them in Bali or something. You know, it's always like these gnarly environments with seemingly very little food and and rugged terrain and. They seem to always film them kind of going into fall when winter is encroaching. Uh, yeah. Why do you think that show is so popular right now? I mean, I like it because it's a, it's a, a beautiful demonstration of the human spirit and the, the human will. I mean, the fortitude and perseverance of the people that make it into the two, three month zone. I mean, you're, it's, it's unfathomable that these people can hang. That's my perspective. Secondarily, it's also educational in the sense of just watching people build things, right? Because I'm not very handy. I'm not like a very, um, I don't work well with my hands, especially on tedious projects and just seeing people like weave baskets for, you know, six days to make their fish trap. I'm just like, oh my God. So I like it just seeing the human ingenuity, yeah. I think, and the, and the perseverance and just seeing people not only overcome the physical challenges of, you know, the, um, the extreme weather and the, the inevitable starvation, but also it's like um, the, the mental game, right, of seeing which contestants can maintain a positive, optimistic outlook and which can't. Because you have some people that come in and they're highly skilled, right? They make a kick-ass shelter, they're catching fish, they're killing it. But then the the alone time, the introspection, having it's to a... face oneself without the distractions of modern life and the comforts of your family and all of that, to see people sort of fall apart mentally is really interesting to me. And to see the ones that usually come close to winning or win has something to do with their skill set and their resourcefulness, but it seems to me it has most to do with how they self-regulate. And there's something universal inside of that about for everyone, whether you're an entrepreneur or starting a family or whatever you're doing that feels really tough. There's something analogous 100%. to draw. Yeah. 100%. And I think that's the thing. It's just it's a magnification and a dramatization of the human experience that we all share. Yeah. It's just everything is sped up and amplified. Yes. But you know, you're running a company, I'm running a company, Brandon's running a company. I'm throwing you in every show now, Brandon, by the way. <laughs> you know, everyone is facing their own challenges, right? And it's like, it's not, it's not the challenge itself, it's our response to it and the yeah. attitude we maintain around it. And for many years, I've really been diligent about monitoring my perspective on the world you know at large and my my own personal insular relationship with myself and with my day-to-day -day life so i learned a lot from that show about that but also <laughs> it's like like i said it makes me realize how fragile i am yeah. which which is somewhat inspiring in that man i should really spend more time outdoors and like i, I need to take a wilderness training course and Maybe one of these days I'll actually do that. Um, I'll, and I'll say this and then we, we'll move on. But my dad's like a forever mountain man in Colorado, like really rugged guy. And uh, we don't really talk TV, but since I got all into the show, I asked him if he watched. He's like, oh, are you kidding me? Of course, I've watched every season. I said, how would you, how would you do on that show? You know? And he's like, well, when I was in my 30s and 40s, you know, I, I would have been a contender. But he said, the thing that that is missing that, 
people might not realize is that all of that is infinitely harder without a firearm. Like if those people had a gun, the show would last three years instead of, instead of 90 days or whatever. He's like, that's really the thing that makes it. So anyone that has primitive skills can kind of go out there and do the shelter and stay warm and build fires and all of that. But he said, without a gun, you know, that's, that's the defining factor. So I thought that was interesting. Interesting. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. back to the point at hand. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what's, what's the difference then between exogenous ketones and endogenous? If our body has the ability to make these from food, why would we ever consider just taking them in an isolated form? Yeah, when you, well, first of all, just on the terms, an easy way to remember it is like exoskeleton, like Spider-Man has an exoskeleton. When, it, when your skeleton's outside of your body, it's an exoskeleton. So exo is outside of, the, the root word is, is outside of your body. Endo is inside of your body. So humans have an endoskeleton, spiders have an exoskeleton. Cool. Exogenous ketones, ketones from outside of your body, endogenous ketones from inside of your body, and the the difference so if you have bulletproof coffee like dave asprey sounds like a mutual friend of ours and created this this concept of bulletproof coffee where you take the most ketogenic types of fats and you put them in your coffee so medium chain triglycerides mcts they're a form of fat that is a really effective precursor to ketones because of the simplicity of its of its composition it easily turns into ketones in your system and then you have ketones to fuel your brain and body. What we've done is skipped a step. So you just have a pure ketone. So it's, it, you're getting energy, but without this conversion process. And there's a, there is a drop-off. So as, as nice as MCT is, like only a fraction of it turns into ketones. So everything that we're eating, like all of our calories are fundamentally coming from outside of our body. So whether you eat MCT or an avocado or you're turning body fat, what, whatever you're turning into endogenously, whenever you're turning into a ketone, it's something that originally came from outside of your body. Like the calories came from outside of your body and then they're in this intermediary form that you're then turning into a ketone. And all that we've done is skip the steps so it's more bioavailable. So that if you want to feel a pick-me-up right now, instead of eating an avocado and waiting for it to turn into ketones, you can just have ketones available right now in your system with a shot of ketone IQ. And it's not this either or thing. Like, I, I love avocados. I'm not trying to, like, declare war on yeah. avocados or yeah. bulletproof coffee. It's, like, it's a complement to these other, these other foods in, in a more, like, quick, bioavailable sense. Well, in preparation for our conversation today, uh, I had one bottle of the Ketone IQ in the morning, which I do every morning. And, and I, maybe sometimes if I have an interview, I'll wait. And I'll drink it right before the interview because I find, and we can get into this later, but the cognitive effects of it are bananas. Like the way my brain fires on ketones is, it's amazing. But today I had one right when I woke up and then my wife made me a, a, a fatty coffee. And then right before you guys got here, I had another one of these because I'm just like, I want to see what happens when you do the caffeine and the ketones and some fats. And man, I feel like super energized. But what's interesting about it is that even though I had a coffee, so I'm like a little amped up from that. But if I do the ketones without coffee, it's a weird kind of energy. It's it's because it's not stimulating, right? You know what I'm saying? Like I do all kinds of nootropics, nootopia and, and all these great things. And 
if I get the mix right, I'll feel calm and focused. But if I push it a little too far, then like, yeah, I have physical and mental energy and mental clarity. My cognition's great, but I'll have a little shakiness and anxiety because I'm too overstimulated. There's cortisol, adrenaline kind of thing happening. Absolutely. So how does how do ketones give you that physical energy for working out, a long drive? I love these things on flights and long drives, by the way. It's like my freaking secret weapon. It's the best ever. They give you this energy and mental clarity, but it's like zero stimulation. You could take one. I've never done it, but I think you could just drink one literally right before you get in bed and you're going to sleep the same, if not better. Yeah. Yeah. We've done all of these types of studies too. So the reason it's not stimulating you is it's, it's pretty different from something like caffeine. That's a really specific hormone blocker. So like caffeine it disrupts your adenosine, which is your sleep hormone. So it it blocks your adenosine receptors, so you're not feeling tired anymore. And so caffeine is this very targeted drug that targets this one really specific receptor. Ketones are a adaptive fuel that you can use all over your body. Think about like water or protein, where like if you're you're low energy at 10 a.m. and you're thirsty, if you go drink some water, you'll feel a lot better. If it's 10 p.m. and you're really thirsty, you might have a hard time falling asleep. If you drink a little bit of water, you'll have a much easier time going to sleep. Like, how is this magical liquid helping me be more more energetic at 10 a.m. and go to sleep at 10 p.m.? Well, it's because water is like the most adaptive, primitive compound that we have. So whatever our body needs, wherever we're at in our circadian rhythm, we're using water to do what our body needs to do. Ketones, similarly, like they're very high up in the in the pyramid. Again, they're not something that we invented. What we've invented is the best ketone delivery mechanism. But ketones are something our body makes and uses all the time, and it's this adaptive fuel that can help us to be really active. It can also help us to rest and recover. And whatever modality that your body is in at, at the given time, you're using energy for that, and ketones can help provide that. So it's not like pushing you. It's not forcing you into a hyperactive modality like a fight or flight response where like too much caffeine gets you like overactive ketones aren't like pushing you towards a overactive mode they're empowering you to do like whatever mode that you're in so if you if you have caffeine ketones can stack really well with caffeine same way as bulletproof coffee it's like when you have caffeine you have a increase in brain activity increase in brain energy demand and ketones can fuel that but if, if you don't have caffeine like Ketones are still a fuel in your system that is helping you to do whatever it is that you're trying to do. So you can do breath work or you can meditate or you can relax or it's really popular with athletes to have right before bedtime. So we've done studies on this. We've seen studies on this with um, like pro cyclists having ketones like all throughout the day, including right before bedtime and being sick and having significantly faster recovery over like multi-week study when they're having ketones before bedtime. Oh, that's interesting. You know what I'm going to do tonight or very soon is drink a bottle of ketone IQ right before I go to sleep and see what it does to my sleep score. Yeah. Be curious to see if it affects the RAM or deep or anything. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's that's the thing that's weird about it to me is just that you have so much energy and mental clarity, but you feel relaxed. And that's that's always um, kind of the elusive holy grail. Yeah. Things that assist with performance, whether it's physical or mental performance, is oftentimes they come with a downside, right? Like you get the boost, but then you're 
you're too amped. Even, you know, using NAD or something like that, even, um, I mean, less so than caffeine, but still, it's like you, I put on these ion layer NAD patches, or my friend uh, John over at MitoZen has NAD suppositories, and like they give you a lot of energy, but you're like, you're pretty hyped. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a different kind of thing. So I was just curious about that. Most of us that are into health now realize that it's really important that we watch what we're eating and we're drinking, right? But I think a lot of people still don't realize how important it is to be mindful about the things you put on your body, not just in your body. So I'm talking about the lotions, the skincare products, personal care products, etc. That stuff goes right into the pores of your skin and it doesn't have the opportunity to go through your liver and your detox organs to get removed. It goes into your bloodstream. Little Random secret here, this is why Jimi Hendrix is said to have put LSD in his headband at Woodstock, because it goes right in your skin and he trip balls. Anyway, I digress. My friend Andy, who's been on the show a couple times, you can go back and listen to episode 18, created this company a few years ago called Alatura Naturals. And Andy, I mean, if I could ever met anyone that's on my level of obsession with quality, he might even have me beat. He is completely obsessed with sourcing the best ingredients. You could literally eat his products. I mean, I I don't know if you would want to eat some lotion or a clay mask, but you could and it wouldn't hurt you because um, here's the deal. Your skin actually does eat anything that you put on it. That's what I really want you guys to understand. So his ingredient decks are just nuts. Uh, My personal favorites are the night cream. I mean, I ration that stuff out like just a tiny little bit every night because I'm so afraid I'm going to run out of it. It's so awesome. The clay mask, his face lotion. This is what I use for anti-aging, brightened complexion, detoxification of my skin, removal of blemishes, hydrating the skin like crazy, and making it possible for me to be a beast with sun exposure. I don't know. I think for creeping on 50, my skin looks pretty good, and um, it's definitely largely due to Alatura Naturals products, which you can find at alaturanaturals.com. If you use the code LIFESTYLIST, you're going to save yourself 20% and get free shipping in the U.S. That's alaturanaturals.com, and the code is LIFESTYLIST. You talked about, you know, how our body will start to burn fat and how that ketones, unlike fat in its its bulk form, can cross the blood-brain barrier. Is there any relationship between our ability to burn ketones for fuel and the fact that uh, human infants have so much more fat than other primates? Like little baby chimpanzees are skinny. They're not little little chubbies like babies are. Yeah. Or do you think human babies are born with more fat and kind of hold fat for the first couple of years so they have fuel for their bigger brain or is there any relationship there yeah it's a that's a really interesting point that you touch upon because yeah humans are the only of the primates that have baby fat chimps and other primates don't have baby fat humans have the largest brain and it's all connected because in order to fuel the brain energy demands that we have as infants we turn that baby fat into ketones to fuel our growing brains because you can't always count on carbohydrate availability if you're on the savanna and a you know, child is growing up from ages zero, one, two, three, as that brain is rapidly developing, you can almost certainly count on there being periods of low carbohydrate availability. And meanwhile, our brains are massive. And especially as infants, we're, they're growing extremely rapidly. There's massive brain energy demand. 
And so the ability for us to store fat and then turn that into ketones is a key part of how humans have been able to develop this superior brain. It's really, it's really fascinating. Is uh, there any risk in uh, a baby or a kid drinking ketone IQ? So <laughs> I've, I've given a little, I have a, a little daughter, I've given her a little bit here and there. Um, we g- generally keep it towards like adults or at least people yeah. over, over 12 to just say like it's generally like a, an adult food, like baby food has its own set of like kind of parameters and restrictions. Um, personally, I'm comfortable with it, but as far as what like we say on the label or what people like really should do is like, yeah, generally it's like, like have it, think of it more like coffee or something where you wouldn't necessarily feed that to um, like a little kid. Um, again, I don't personally have an issue with it. I think, you know, ketones are a fundamental form of fuel. People don't think twice about having 10 grams of sugar. Like a Coca-Cola has 37 grams of sugar and people feed that to kids all the time. I'm not saying that's right, but I'm saying that I think if we, as we fast forward, ketones are going to be like a very normal, regular thing that people of all ages have all the time. And it's just going to, it's just like a very normal form of fuel, like a superior form of fuel it's going to be part of all sorts of foods and drinks and just a, a big chunk of global caloric intake will be ketones. Have you guys looked into the safety profile for pregnant women, considering that that's such a metabolically taxing event for them? It's, it's super interesting. I know that like naturally a lot of pregnant women have elevated ketones just through the natural process of what is going on. Um, we haven't explicitly tested ketone IQ with pregnant women. Um, so I don't have anything to share there. But yeah, it is interesting that a lot of times, like whether someone's doing a ketogenic diet or not, just the, the raw energy demands. Uh, like when your body has this energy demand, you're just pulling fuel from anywhere you can get it. And it's like hard to, if you've ever met a pregnant person, like it's hard to get enough fuel. It's hard to eat enough. It's hard to like get enough. And so, naturally they're just burning through a lot of their glucose and then turning a lot of fat into ketones. And so we'll have higher ketone levels just on a natural basis. And in terms of the exogenous ketones available, what's the difference between ketone esters and ketone salts? Yeah, so there's a few different, there's a few different categories. And what we have is the, the state of the art, which is called a ketone dial. So uh, ketone salt is a ketone bounded to a salt molecule. So you'll see these a lot of places. They're very cheap, uh, for better or for worse. Like they, they're widely available in a powder form. They're very affordable to make. Um, it's relatively low ketone load and every ketone molecule is bounded to a salt molecule. So you can't get your ketones that high because if you want five grams of ketones, you gotta have five grams of salt. So five grams of ketones, not a lot of ketones, but five grams of salt is a lot. You're gonna have an upset stomach, um, it's going to be hard to actually get your ketones up to a interesting or effective dose using a ketone salt. For what we have, what we have is is called a ketone dial. So that is a form of ketones that directly on first pass metabolism in your liver turns into blood BHB. It's actually cool because it's regulated by your liver. So as your body has increased energy demands, you'll release more ketones into your system. Um, there's something called a ketone acid. 
that's actually the form that's directly in your body. So ketone diol turns into ketone acid, also known as BHB. So when you measure your blood ketones, you're measuring your blood beta-hydroxybutyric acid levels. So it's a ketone acid. You can eat that straight. You can eat straight ketone acid. It's very rough on your system. It's very, it's just very acidic. Um, and it's just like direct mainline of ketones. So that's why we like the dial, which turns into ketones and has a, you get the same area under the curve, same total amount of ketones, like 10 grams of ketone dial turns into 10 grams of ketone acid over a nice curve where you get to like a, a level that is enjoyable, but you're not like, you're not having a large acid load and you're not overly spiking your ketone levels. A few different companies have tried, including us on our V1, we actually made a ester that and all an ester is, is it's just like gluing two molecules together. So we made an ester that was like half dial, half acid, and it was basically 50-50. And we thought that was cool because it was like, okay, you get the benefit of with the acid, which is really quick, and you get the benefit of the dial, which is like more slowly regulated. And then as we're seeing it in, in the field, working with special operators, elite athletes, just everyday normal people, uh, it had a few different challenges. And we saw, hey, actually the pure dial is more interesting and effective. And we chose to then for our V2, we made the first ever pure ketone dial. And that's been working really well. So it gets processed by your liver rather than your digestive system? Yeah, it goes, it goes through your digestive system and then, mm -hmm. then to your liver where it then like turns in first pass metabolism. So it's not metabolized like um, a carb or protein or something that you would, you would eat as food. Once it's in your blood, it's like it's, it's metabolism is still taking place. Like the carbohydrates that you eat turn into, they'll turn into blood glucose. That's, and, and so ketone dial will turn into blood ketones. And so when you're doing a push up or just like sitting there thinking like a neuron in your brain needs energy somehow. And the energy currency inside your cell is ATP. So metabolism is like turning these larger building blocks into usable energy. So like turning a glucose or a fatty acid, like turning, turning fat itself in, not in your brain, but in other muscles um, or a ketone, or there's others as well. Like you can use lactic acid as another metabolite. You're turning all of these into ATP, which is the like fundamental energy currency inside of your cells. So Metabolite, like your, your GI system is like taking really complex things, macronutrients, which contain calories and micronutrients that, you know, that's everything else. It's your, all your vitamins and minerals. You're turning all of that into like smaller parts that are then flowing through your blood. And then within your blood, then at the cellular level, your cells are turning it into like even smaller, more fundamental parts. Got so, it. Yeah. Got it. Okay. And what's up with the appetite su suppression? <laughs> I'm not a big daytime eater anyway, but yeah, I, I fast here and there, probably not very scientifically, but if I'm not hungry, I won't eat basically. So if I have um, some fats in the morning, I'll definitely not be hungry until six, seven, eight o'clock. I rarely eat during the day. Yeah. Um, if I drink ketone IQ, like, I feel like I could actually just wake up and not eat the entire day. It's just usually my wife would be like, you should probably eat dinner <laughs> before it gets too late. And I'd be grudgingly going, oh, okay, and then I'll eat. But, you know, I know you're, this isn't like a 
you know, you know, Margaret, the ketone IQ is like the miracle weight loss thing. But like, I'm, am I the only one that will drink one of these and just care zero about eating for many hours? Or is that a common occurrence? It's common. A lot of people feel appetite control effects on it. And it gets back to what we were saying earlier about why the, like you're trying, if you're on Vancouver Island trying to survive, that like fat would be more satiating, that there's certain, there's, certain foods that you can eat that are more satiating per calorie than other foods and ketones are way way up there that it, in terms of how they suppress ghrelin hunger hormone basically what it does is it it makes your body feel like you're fasting but that like within that fast that you've ramped up your own ketone production so like you're good because if you think about it from an evolutionary perspective if you're if you're fasting, you want to still maintain alertness. Like you, you want to be able to go hunt and get more food or if you're fasting or starving. You'd want to be able to like be, have your, have the wherewithal to go hunt and get something to eat. And ketones basically get your body to emulate that state of like that readiness that you would have if you were fasting or starving. So you're not like like obsessed about food. What's interesting about that's like the more normal state of how humans should be. The weird thing is exogenous sugar. When you're having 50 grams of sugar all at once in like a liquid drink all at once, and then your body's like, wow, that was awesome. Your blood sugar goes up, your blood insulin goes up, and then, when, and then you start maybe using some of that sugar, but you still have the high insulin that's sending a, body, a signal to your body like, hey, let me get more of that. Because in an evolutionary ancestral context, like if you found some sugar, if you found honey, it's like your body's just like, hey, eat that. If you're surviving on Vancouver Island and you see a big big pot of honey, like go eat as much of that as possible. Like you're, you're wired to get addicted to that because it's so rare. And it's like, okay, stock that up. Turn that into body fat so you have that around for the next six months to draw upon. And so what's, what's more normal is to be in that kind of like lean state where you're like in and out of, of starvation what's what's weird but like has been installed in our modern society but is atypical from an ancestral perspective is the constant availability of really refined carbohydrates that are highly addicting where you eat it and then you're hungry and then you eat it and you're hungry and you're on this like rapid wheel so what ketone IQ helps you do is like snap into this like other modality where you're not constantly like chasing the sugar high and chasing this insulin high which you can also get through other dietary modalities where generally when people cut back on sugar they find that they're less hungry all of the time for all the reasons just mentioned that like people feel less hungry they're less on that hamster wheel of sugar addiction and ketone IQ is just like a way to like kind of jump start into that or to help like help you to prime the pump there or help you if you're like if you just want to feel that way for a few hours it helps a lot of people to get into that mode and out of the like sugar chasing mode if you drink 10 grams of ketones how long do your ketone levels in your blood stay elevated it depends how active you're going to be so like four to six hours and then if you're like running if you're running really hard it might be like one hour it depends on your activity levels generally if you're like just living normal life it's going to be four to six hours for our, like, if you're on like a, a hardcore bike ride, you probably are gonna want to re up more often. So that explains why 
you know, if I'm not terribly active, I mean, I usually work out a little bit, you know, a few mornings a week, but I'm not doing a long marathon or a bike ride or anything by any stretch. But that would explain why I'm not hungry for so many hours, because I still have ketones in my blood, and yeah. therefore, energy is being made. Yeah. That's interesting. Huh. Yeah. So cool. I, I feel like it's such a good hack. It's, and I did, you know, I can't directly attribute it to me using the ketones daily, but I recently shed quite a few pounds. And it's not inconceivable that that has something to do with the fact that I'm eating even less. I think why I ballooned up a little bit is just at night I tend to crave sugar. Yeah. You know, and I don't have a lot of mental resistance to that craving, which is still the same, by the way, <laughs> you know, last night ate a dinner and then I was like, where are the cookies at, you know? They were gluten-free at least, but still, you know, had some sugar. But that has got to have something to do with it. Are you finding that people who are using it more intentionally have an easier time with weight loss? Yeah, a lot of people have an easier time sticking to the lower sugar diets in general. It's, it's not this, like, weight loss magic pill because like ketone IQ actually has calories in it like you're when you drink it you're having you're adding calories into your system the difference is that if it help if it's helping to adhere to uh overall lifestyle where you're having less sugar then you're going to lose weight and if if it's making you feel less hungry in general then you're going to lose weight so it's it's like very careful to say it's not like there's no like fat take this pill and it will burn your fat maybe that's like I don't know, speed or something. Like, yeah. Something that's like, that'll oh, do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> then you really won't eat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you also take apart a lot of radios and never put them back together. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, just to contextualize it that way. Like, the, only the tweakers listening will understand that comment. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, X tweakers. Yeah. Um, in terms of eating glucose and insulin resistance, and, uh, you know, for, different times I've worn a blood glucose monitor and I'm shocked to see how much mine spikes, but it seems to come down relatively fast. Say I eat half a pint of ice cream or something. Is there any positive impact on insulin resistance or just how you respond to glucose if you have a bunch of ketones in your blood? Yeah. So in general, ketones are not mediated by insulin at all. So if you drink ketone IQ, you're not going to spike your insulin whatsoever. You don't need insulin to metabolize it. So you're not spiking your insulin at all. The issue with insulin resistance is that when you're having sugar on a frequent basis, that you're, every time your blood sugar is high, your body will secrete insulin in order to address that blood sugar. And over time, you develop insulin resistance. And that leads to all sorts of diseases. It directly leads to type 2 diabetes. It also seems to impair a lot of other essential functions. So it seems like it, it's a predicator of cardiovascular disease, there's a growing school of thought that Alzheimer's and other forms of cognitive decline are caused by insulin resistance in the brain. So the idea of having fuels available that don't promote insulin resistance is really interesting. So like the ability to feel energized throughout the day without throwing caffeine at it or throwing sugar at it, something that can like give you a meaningful energy boost without spiking your insulin is novel and really interesting. Um, so it works really well in like, in that sense is like having it instead of a, a, a super sugary drink or instead, instead of a lot of caffeine that might disrupt your sleep. Um, uh, if, if you're going to have like a bunch of donuts and then have ketone IQ to like un, 
undo those donuts. That's I would, where I was going. I would say <laughs> that's tough. Like you're just what's yeah. going to happen is like you're going to have just like a lot of energy in two different energy systems. Right. That's actually how our like pro athletes do it. Like if I, when I'm getting ready to run a marathon, like I'll I'll have carbs and I'll have ketones because they go through these different pathways. You know, our pro Ironman athletes or we the Tour de France just wrapped up. A ton of Tour de France riders use ketones, so like they will all dual fuel. They'll like load up both. That's a different use case maybe from a, a normal person where, where I would say is like you try you want to try to live your life more in like the fat ketone system because it's going to be more satiating. It's going to be less insulin spiking and it's not going to promote that insulin resistance that we all like that it's just a something that we all want to avoid um but yeah if you have both at once you're not like you're, you're just gonna be like super powered up you're gonna be like full battery you're gonna be like a prius that has like fully charged battery and full gas tank which again awesome right. if you're gonna go do an iron man but if you're if you're just trying to optimize for normal like normal activity levels in life it's like try to just like not be so dependent on the sugar gas tank and use more of your like fat ketone battery energy system in general a cookie here and there whatever like we all gotta live life like there's no it's all good what i was hoping for was <laughs> that if i drank the ketones it would give me blood sugar spike immunity right <laughs> like if i drink one of these yeah. then i can go crush some ice cream without the deleterious effects of that you know that uh, instant and high level of uh, glucose the best thing there is going to be like going for a walk I would say, like, right. yeah, right. Like I've heard, I've heard that that if you, is is post eating anything, that it's a good idea to walk afterward. Do you, do you know anything about that? Yeah. To me, that's counterintuitive because of the whole rest and digest concept. Like, I always feel like if I eat, I should just go lay on my ass and chill and let my body focus its energy on digesting. But in terms of uh, blood sugar regulation, I've heard some people recommend going for a walk after you eat anything, especially if you eat a high carb or high sugar meal. Yeah, that you want to get a jump start on metabolizing the sugar that you just ate. Because what you don't want is like lingering elevated blood sugar. If you're going to eat sugar that's part of living life and it's tasty treats out there, we, like you got to live life. But then like you don't want it like sitting around. Like you don't want to rest and digest basically. You don't want to just like sit and process it. You want to like get started on utilizing it. Uh, another way to attack the same thing is like, okay, like if we like carbs, if, if someone has a hankering for carbs, that's great. Like that's fine, especially if you're an active person. Like that's just the way some people's systems work. But you can think about having having lower glycemic index carbs. So you can have, for instance, uh, like oatmeal, especially like steel cut oatmeal is like a very fibrous form of carbohydrates where you're going to like satiate your carb craving but it's gonna be a lot slower spike so again what you want to avoid is like a steep spike and then like prolonged elevated blood glucose so anything that you can do like spike and then go for a walk or like have a gentler rise to the carbohydrates that you're consuming so like you know a lot of people like like uh, you know starches starchy foods potatoes fruits in general have a lot of fiber and then like all that stuff's gonna be way better better than you know, a bag of candy that's designed to be like hyper refined, like directly just straight main line of sugar into your system. So it's like not all sugar is even the same. And I don't think it's right. fair to vilify right. carbs either, like you know, all the way like, entirely as a category. It's like a, a lot of people perform a lot better with carbohydrates if they're athletic or just like you just feel better. Like I don't know, it's, it's, yeah. it can be really difficult for for 
a lot of people to cut out carbs. I don't even think that, it, I don't even, I hope I'm not speaking from a point where like that is the, that is the like goal even. Like I, it's not like a keto centric universe. Like some people's bodies perform better when they have carbs sometimes. I don't think a ketogenic diet is like the optimal diet for your average person for like a prolonged period of time. It, it spikes your stress hormones. Like you, like a lot of people get off the keto diet because it's like their, their cortisol spiked too, too much and they were having trouble sleeping or they're, they're like not um, responding well to the diet. So I'm not an anti-carb person by any means. It's more just like having it in context around activity or having like lower glycemic index carbs, um, staying away from the super refined stuff, and then just having options throughout the day of non-sugary ways to get your energy levels up as well. All right, let's get honest here. Do you ever feel bloated and gassy after you eat? Well, it happens to the best of us, especially after a high-protein meal. Well, stay tuned because I'm going to tell you how to tackle this problem on the cheap, folks. If you're like me and you eat a lot of meat, fish, and eggs, it could be crucial to supplement with enzymes that break down these proteins into amino acids that your body can actually use. It's like your body has a bank account of enzymes, and it really helps to make a healthy deposit into that account. Now, I know you probably love the products from Bioptimizers. We're all magnesium deficient, and Bioptimizers makes the best magnesium supplement on the market. But did you know that they also make a best-selling digestive enzyme product? It's called Masszymes, and it's a full-spectrum capsule of plant-based, naturally-derived enzymes that digest proteins, starches, sugars, fibers, and fats. I'm on these enzymes literally with every meal I eat at home and even sometimes throw a few in my pocket when I'm eating out. Well, this month only, Bioptimizers is offering our listeners a free bottle to try it out. All you have to do is pay the nominal shipping fee. To score your free bottle, visit masszymes.com slash lukefree and enter the code LUKE10. Easy peasy. That's M-A-S-S-Z-Y-M-E-S. Masszymes.com slash lukefree. And aside from crushing, bloating, gas, and fatigue, Masszymes also help with nutrient absorption and muscle mass. So don't miss out on your free supply this month only. That's masszymes.com slash lukefree. And punch in code LUKE10 to get your free bottle today. Eat a keto diet. And like I said, I was largely unsuccessful. But when I gave it some effort, I found that it was really um, bad for sleep. Yeah, it was just too much cortisol, whatever it was, um, keto flu. <laughs> I don't know. But I remember checking my sleep scores and just be like, I think I need to eat a, a little bit of carbs at night, you know, which is, it's probably one of the reasons why many of us, unfortunately, myself included, really crave carbs or sugar at night. Yeah. It like helps me kind of wind down in a weird way yeah, and, yeah. and get tired. Um, what I would, again, say for that type of person is like, like accept it as like a natural part, like you don't want to be at war with yourself right. all the time. And it's about like, can you have maybe a better form of, of carbohydrates? Something better than ice cream. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And again, I don't like, I have ice cream. Yeah. I'm not, I don't, I'm not just trying to portray yeah. myself as some monk, but like if you find yourself like habitually, like you can't go to sleep unless you have ice cream every night. It's like, well, can you tr like try stocking up on like your favorite fruit instead? Like, totally. I don't know if you like, like pineapples, freaking delicious. Like, Try having that in your fridge instead and like chow down on that. Scratch your, your itch for something sweet with that. 
because it's, it has carbs, you're going to respond to it the same way. You're going to get some spike in, in blood glucose, which is, is probably what's going to make you feel good, but you're not, but it's a lot more fibrous, a lot, a lot more natural. And not to mention it has all these different micronutrients inside of it that like a uh, cookie from Costco may not have. Yeah. And then what about fasting? Um, so you said that uh, these ketones are calories essentially. So if somebody was doing a hardcore, say water fast or a dry fast or something, then drinking the ketones would technically be breaking the fast. And where's the line between, you know, a hardcore fast like those versus what you mentioned earlier, more of an intermittent fast? Like what, um, I guess, what's the threshold of breaking a fast when you're using ketones? Because yeah. I've, like I said, subjectively, I feel like I'm fasted for a number of hours when I drink the ketones, but I guess I've had some calories, so I'm technically not. Yeah. I, I consider ketone IQ fasting compliant in the sense that it has no sugar and it's not spiking your insulin whatsoever. And to the extent it has calories in it, it's a very low amount of calories. So people will a lot of times use it to extend their overnight fast. You wake up in the morning, you've been sleeping for however long, for eight hours, you already have this jump start on like an eight hour fast. And people have ketone IQ and extend that overnight fast by another three, four hours and have their first like substantive meal at lunchtime. And that can be a great way to do it, a great way to just have a reduced eating window, a great way to stay focused in the morning hours. Because a lot of times when you start eating and then once you start digesting, like you're, it, it takes a lot of energy to do and it can be very distracting. A lot of people like just to feel very like clear as a bell for the first several hours of the day and get a lot done. And there's, yeah, I don't know, there's different levels, I guess, to hardcoreness of fasting. It kind of depends on your goals. If you want to go completely acaloric, like some people, like, then don't have anything. Some people say, like, you know, don't even have coffee or tea or anything besides water. It just, it depends how hardcore you want to be. What I'd say, like, what you definitely don't want to do is if you're fasting, like, have something with, with sugar in it. Cause, like, the whole point of the fast is to, keep your, like regulate your blood sugar level, your blood glucose level. So if you're going to go have anything, um, have something that's not blood sugar spiking. Um, and so it's all about like pragmatics. Like if you're able to extend your fast by having uh, the 70 calories that are inside of ketone IQ, and then you're not like, again, you're, you're still controlling your blood glucose, all those great benefits of fasting, you're, you're still compliant with all of those. Uh, if it works for someone, like that, then great. Like, I, we see it working for a lot of people. I like your moderate approach to these things. You're you're not a black and white thinker, which is good. Try not to be. I get feedback sometimes from people that listen to the show, and it's like I might, I know, talking about EMF, right? And there's, you can block EMF or you can harmonize EMF, and people get really hung up on like an either or. <laughs> you know, like it's all great, right? I mean, not everything's great, but if something works, it works, and it doesn't. It doesn't have to be an either-or thing, and I think that's true of something like, you know, the type of diet that you follow and how keto you are, or if you're into fasting, how you do it. There's not like a right or wrong way. It's more about what works for you, depending on your lifestyle and personality and what your goals are. 
Right? Well, I, I, yeah. don't, I don't think like hardcore fasting is something I would be motivated to do unless maybe I was chronically or terminally ill and I was going for a really targeted specific goal. But I also um, like the convenience, I think, of just not having to think about chasing food all day long. That's a huge one for a lot of people. It's such that- an energy and time drain. It's like when I first started, got on the Bulletproof Coffee many years ago, I was like, this is incredible. I was working, I owned a company, we had a few employees, and every day, 11 or 12, everyone's like, where are we going to get lunch? When's lunch? Who delivers it? It's like this two hours of everyone putting their orders in and then waiting. Oh, they forgot my salad. You know, I'm just like, oh my God, I started seeing that, like how much energy people spend thinking about procuring the food, eating the food, disposing of the, you know, the wrappers, doing the dishes. I'm just like, it is such a pain in the ass. And I never realized it. And also I'm just not, I just don't care that much about food. I don't know why I just am that way. But I really like just the energy saved in having to think about what you're going to eat, taking the time to eat. That's more my approach and appeal to fasting is just the convenience of it. And all of that energy that was spent combing over menus, oh, they're closed on Tuesdays, we got to find a new, all of that. I'm just like, skip, drink some ketones, have some fats in the morning with my coffee or tea or whatever, and I'm done. Like, I can use that energy to do anything, recreationally, professionally. It's just like a whole a huge amount of mental energy and decision fatigue has been skipped from just not dealing with it at all, just not eating. It's huge. That's a really poignant point that you make as far as this like, weight loss is, is only one reason why you might want to like eat less or like reduce the amount of hours in the day that you're eating. I actually think I'm a proponent of like, don't necessarily try to eat less, but like just reduce your eating window. And that if you can control, like, if you can have a flow state where you're just, like, mentally dialed in through your whole day and then get in the calories, nutrition that you need within, like, a limited window, that's how I like to live my life. I think that that constant, like, what are we going to eat, the, like, the rush to lunch, and then if everyone's, like, there's nothing more annoying than, like, going at, like, 12 noon to go eat lunch at the same time as everyone else. Like, I love eating lunch at, like, 3 p.m., when no one else is eating, I was just having a big, that's like my big meal of the day. And it's like, I kind of beat the lunch crowd, beat the dinner crowd and like, cool. It took no time. And the, I think that like, that's one thing you see a lot in entrepreneurs and a lot of this like highly successful people. They literally just like, don't want to spend time on superfluous stuff. They don't want to spend time picking out a new outfit. They wear like very like similar or sparse set of clothes. The Steve Jobs approach. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Steve Jobs approach to the, to the wardrobe um, or, or with food. It's like, yeah, I, I just don't want to be constantly like thinking about food and, and what the next meal is. Like I, I'm not trying to lose weight. I'm not trying to bulk up. I, I, I don't have a issue with the like amount of food. Just like, can I have it take up less of my day? Can I like simplify that problem in my life? And then, uh, and then look like if there's something special going on, if there's like a, a dinner or you're cooking a nice meal or so, like then by all means like enjoy it but i would say like the way i live my life is like generally monday through friday like as i'm working really hard there's not like a lot of i don't want to be putting my creativity into who's open for lunch that's a good way to put like, it your creativity that's i think that's what i mean by the decision fatigue it's just having to generate and use the energy to make a decision about when and where and what you're going to eat. Think, it's just exhausting. I, and then also it's like when you do, like my wife cooks me dinner every night. It's amazing. Wow. 
um, we had some friends over and we experimented with getting a private chef come over and just deal with all that. It was amazing. The food was delicious. We didn't do any dishes. Uh, the whole, you know, you're being waited on. It's just, it was beautiful. Food was great. Like there are moments when I really enjoy food, especially if someone else is making it because I hate cooking and doing dishes like more than your average person. So I feel like saving all of that energy helps me to appreciate the special meals. Yeah. Right. Even if it's not an extravagant meal, like having a chef or something, which was a first, first and maybe only time I ever do that because it was exceedingly expensive. But it's like, I want to make my meals count <laughs> yeah. and actually be present for them and not have it feel like it's some task that I just have to do so I can have the energy to keep going. Yes. I want to like go, okay, I'm sitting here. I'm going to put work and my phone aside, you know, use my presence with the people with whom I'm eating and, and make it an enjoyable experience rather than just like uh, another thing I have to check off the list. Yeah, yeah. I think people vastly overestimate how many decisions that they can make in a day like you actually can't make very many I, like especially high quality ones with like deep thought it's maybe like 10 good decisions you can make in a day like the like truly good ones maybe like i get it depends how what we mean like good or how big these decisions are maybe like you know it's one decision a, a, a month i don't know um but like let's call it 10 it's like you you can only seriously think about maybe one thing an hour seriously throughout the day and if one of those is like what you're wearing and the other is like which route I'm going to take to work today and the other is what am I where are we going for lunch today it's like like you just like nailed three of your <laughs> you ten used, slots you used up your quota yeah that's funny you say that because I do notice that um toward the end of a work day maybe I get a more meaningful email that requires some decision making and that's one way I kind of gauge when I'm done if I look at that email, I'm just overwhelmed by it. Then the next morning, you yeah. jump in, you do it in 100 percent. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah, 100. percent That's kind of how I, I can tell. Like, eh, I think you're toast, Luke. Like, if this is this hard, like I'm, I'm creating a new website right now, so there's all kinds of decisions, and I got to make Loom videos and take notes. It's very detail oriented, and it's important to me. And yeah, first thing in the morning, boom, 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 could bang it out. Toward the end of the day, I've made so many micro decisions that I just can't think straight yeah. i could do task it's, work or something but mm -hmm. if it comes to like a creative project or something that i have to decide on especially one uh, upon which other people are dependent right i know not to make those decisions because then the next day something will get fired back and like well that's what you said you wanted right and i'm like ah i should have i should have <laughs> you know waited until i had the the right amount of cognitive power to make that decision even if it was a small one so it doesn't come back with something i don't want that's super self-aware just to know what your energy level is at and that, hey, like literally the same boulder in front of me, I will be able to climb much easier tomorrow. Like it seems hard, but that's just like my mind playing tricks. It's playing hard. It's hard because I've already made my 10 decisions of the day yeah. and have the self-awareness to like back up. I think a younger version of me would have just like plowed through just like, okay, maybe it'll take two hours or maybe it'll be a less good decision. I, I think a younger version of me would just like, uh, like more hours, just like oh, whatever. I work, I'm an entrepreneur. Like I'll work 14 yeah. hours on this, like work till I'm my fingers bleed. And now, it's, now I've I'm more like you know, the same thing would take me 15 minutes tomorrow, and it would have a better quality outcome. I'm I'm gonna put this down 100, percent and then switch. I like what you're saying. Like there are certain modes of tasks that are 
maybe less cognitive demanding. Like I don't know, you can make you can drop something off at the UPS store. Or like you can do something that's more like uh, linear, not requiring like full, paying the bill, yeah. like going through your junk mail kind of <laughs> stuff. You know? Yeah, I try to bucket those those menial tasks into when I'm really low on energy and and very little is required of me. Yeah. Um, going back to the fasting, and, and I'll preface this by saying, you know, I mean, I understand you're a professional and you represent a company, so forgive me for going too far off script. But back to the fasting, uh, one of the other hacks that I've adopted with Ketone IQ, and this isn't, you know, this is something I do relatively infrequently every few months or so, but it's uh, it's typical that when one is venturing into a psychedelic space, plant medicine ceremony, and so on, that associated with the preparation for that will be a fast, a dieta in the classical sense, or even if you're working with someone who's kind of more uh, a modernist in their approach to psychedelics. Fasting is, I would say, I, I don't know if it's ever not been recommended or required going in. You know, you kind of get your protocol. Here's how you're going to prep for these days prior to or that day, right? And fasting is always part of it. And uh, there's a huge cognitive tax with kind of lighting your brain up with those type of substances. And um, so therefore, there's often a deficit afterward, right? Of just, you're just smoked the next day or even during, you know, it just requires a lot of energy to, to go there. I don't know what's happening in your brain. You're in high gamma or whatever, but it definitely takes mental energy. Your brain's burning energy when you're, when you're doing that kind of work. And so I... Uh, uh, maybe, I don't know, a year ago, a few months ago, I started experimenting and drinking ketone IQ before, actually before, during, and after ceremonies and found like I, I hit this amazing secret weapon to feeling really good and having a lot of energy and my recovery was dramatically sped up. Uh, again, you know, a little off-label, and I know you probably can't make recommendations, but this is truly my own subjective experience. Um, I, I mean, I don't think I would ever go into something like that and not drink ketones at this point. It's just, it's like taking minerals and electrolytes, which is something I always do as well. So I'm not eating any kind of food, but man, I am so much more resilient. What I will say is that anytime you have anything psychoactive, you're increasing brain activity, which is going to increase brain energy demand. And where is that energy coming from? A lot of the reason that you have the dieta, the fasting period before a plant medicine journey is to get your body into that fat ketone mode because you have tons of fat in your body. Even as a lean individual, you have a lot more fat, like 100 times more fat stored than you could ever possibly have stored as as carbohydrates, sugar in in your body, that's a very short-term energy system versus fast long-term. So the idea of the dieta is like get your body into the fat and ketone mode of energy so that you have that available throughout the whole journey. And then ketones themselves are they feel really nice in the brain. Like when you are when you are whether you're fasting or whether you're having exogenous ketone there's something about the way that they excite the brain but don't overexcite it that like feels really nice. And so a lot of people, well, you're not the first one who's I'm mentioned not, I didn't this. invent this. <laughs> yeah, I've, I, I've talked to a few other people. Like, you know, some, you know, other folks in this way, Aubrey Marcus, big in the psychedelics community, a uh, number of folks are big fans of, of stacking ketone IQ with 
psychoactives because of that effect. There's a synergistic effect where you're increasing brain activity and you're increasing brain energy demand. Where does that energy come from? It's great if it comes from ketones and it, it doesn't interrupt what you're trying to do from that like fasting perspective, getting your energy into that fat and ketone mode. It it's completely complementary to that. Like what you don't want to do is like have a Kit Kat bar in the middle of your fast because that like snaps you out, spiking your blood glucose, spiking your insulin. Like you want to stay in that like fat and ketone mode. And if you have ketone IQ while you're inside of that mode, it's complementary. Like you're not going to snap yourself out of that mode. You're just going to have like more of the fuel system that you want to be using anyway when you're in that context. That's cool. Well, I'm disappointed that I didn't invent this. <laughs> I think it's cool that you came to it, though. That's very cool that you kind of, you came to it on your own. Yeah, I mean, I just I'm just an experimental kind of guy. I just try different things, and usually in a situation like that, I wouldn't probably mention it to anyone because I like to you know follow the directions of facilitators and things like that. But sometimes I do sneak a couple things in to see how it goes. But an, another thing too, and it's dependent on what substance one is working with but say something like ayahuasca um, you don't want to have a full stomach because you're more likely to purge and you want you know that medicine to kind of hit your system in a receptive uh, way where you're not full of a bunch of food basically you just want your gi tract empty because it's going to be an easier time for all of that so i think that's probably where i came into it it's just like, well, I don't want to be hungry and I want the fast to be easy. So the appetite suppression factor is just much smoother and just going in and having an empty stomach and, and avoiding any kind of nausea or anything like that. But then I started to notice, um, I don't know, maybe even, it's hard to say, but more resilience, but also almost amplifying the experience to some degree. Maybe that's just because the energy that the brain requires in a peak state like that is there. And so the brain's like, okay, you want to hit the gas pedal? We've got the gas, right? right. It's there for you. Yeah. Then. So it's a, it's a pretty cool hack. I'm always looking for ways, you know, not just with an experience like that, but anything you do that, that has benefits, but also potentially a downside. I mean, fitness is like that, right? It has benefits, but you work out really hard, you're going to be smoked. So how do you get the benefits of a hard workout without being smoked and be able to have the second half of your day be productive and not have to go take a nap or something, yeah. you know? So it's just another one of those um, one of those little hacks. Yeah. And if there are any facilitators, shaman listening, you might consider <laughs> trying it out and Drop a line. Adding, it, adding it to the recommendation. You know, it really makes things a lot easier on, on participants, uh, at least for me. So that's good to know. I'm glad that, uh, you know, there's another application there. What about for things like Alzheimer's, TBIs, brain issues? You mentioned that earlier as that um, insulin resistance being a problem with type 2 diabetes and other issues like that. What if someone has compromised cognition? Yeah, this is a super interesting area for ketones. Ketones in the brain where a lot of cognitive disorders have to do with your brain's inability to do glucose metabolism. And ketones go through a separate pathway. Again, they're not mediated by insulin, and they're able to provide energy to your neurons through this alternative method. And so there's a few different ways that your brain, there's a lot of different ways that your brain can have hypometabolism of glucose, basically reduction of brain energy so that can happen if you have a concussion or TBI. There's, there's damage done at the moment of impact, and then there's continued swelling after that. 
for, for days, which can cause further damage to your brain. And the ability for ketones to do two things. One is like provide energy via that, that different pathway. Um, and the second is, is that ketones also seem to have a signaling effect where they reduce inflammation. So if you've had a concussion, then the ability for ketones to provide energy through another pathway and then to also reduce inflammation are two, two different uh, benefits that you could get from a ketone in that context. So it's an area that we're doing a, a lot of work in. So there's been a lot of work around like, like ketogenic diet. There's been a lot of work in animal models. We're doing work with folks who have like chronic TBI. So we're working with a, a few different hospitals. We're working with the Navy Health Research Center on that participant group. A lot of folks in the armed forces due to explosions or jumping out of airplanes, like a, that population group tends to index higher in concussions, TBIs than like the normal average person and seeing how ketones can rescue brain energy in that state. That's concussions, TBI. You also have like the Alzheimer's case. That's a, that's a big area affects millions of Americans, millions of people all over, all over the world. And the leading school of thought on that is that it's caused by insulin resistance in the brain, meaning that like you can't do glucose metabolism anymore. So there's a big study actually done uh, by a Canadian scientist named Stephen Cunane where they did a keto diet and had people having MCT oil, which we talked about earlier. It's like a, a form of fat that can turn into ketones. And they showed they were actually able to slow and in some cases reverse the symptoms of Alzheimer's when people were on that diet. Again, because they had, then have ketones flowing to their brain and they're able to rescue brain energy and able to improve neuron health and able to, um, you should get like a positive flywheel going. Because like when, when you're, neurons are damaged they create more waste buildup which like further damages them so it's this like negative vicious cycle where it's if you can kind of get like it's like watering your lawn if you can kind of like get it back going again then it will like clean up and then it will be able to do your neurons will be able to do better metabolism than going forward so it all stems back to the fact that like the human brain fundamentally likes ketones a lot it's like fundamental part of what makes humans humans is the ability to make and use ketones. We have large energy demand in our brains. Ketones are, are this magic molecule that help our brains. And so when we're in these states of, of cognitive damage or decline, ketones can provide potentially a solution to save brain energy. Wow. Yeah. Super cool. Yeah. Yeah. I get a lot of, uh, a lot of questions about TBIs. You know, it's crazy how many people get them i mean i've probably had them and not known it based on how my brain used to be super slow and i'm always i always just say do a bunch of hyperbaric chamber uh sessions you know that's the only thing that that i know for sure will be helpful for that you're like full body yeah 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 i had i had one for a few years and i i definitely had some cognitive issues i don't know if it was because of a tbi but yeah the hyperbaric chamber helped me a lot the first application yeah. A lot of people know this, but just to remind you, the first application of the ketogenic diet was it was 100 years ago in the early 1900s. There was this, these doctors that had this idea around epilepsy, that when you have epilepsy, that that had to do with a disruption in brain energy metabolism and that the patient's brains were not properly doing glucose metabolism. And they switched patients onto a ketogenic diet and saw that symptoms of epileptic seizures 
reduced significantly. In many cases, just went away completely. And that was like that, so. That was a hundred years ago. That was before anyone thought about like making an exogenous <laughs> ketone or any. So what any, they did is put people on an all-fat diet. Yeah. So that's still wow. that's still an option. So there's groups like the Charlie Foundation. There's there's a, there's a metabolic health summit that gets together every year. There's a lot. That's still a major way to address that. And actually, a lot of people think that that's still the way that is better than any medicine or at the very least, like the medicine should be like an adjunct to dietary interventions. So there's definitely a connection between metabolic health and brain health. And actually a great person, I think I mentioned earlier, this this guy, Dr. Chris Palmer at Harvard, he wrote this book called Brain Energy where he connects the two in a really eloquent way to say that basically like all mental cognitive disorders are really metabolic disorders of the brain. And he's done a lot of work on nutritional interventions. He's not saying that's like the panacea, but saying that like um, it's something that ought to be investigated before, or maybe at least alongside like pharmaceutical interventions, other interventions, like how can we take a metabolic approach to brain health before throwing hardcore pharmaceuticals at it? Wow. I, well, I love any researcher, scientist, doctor that has that perspective. Uh, I want to let you guys listening know we've talked about a lot today. You can find the show notes at lukestory.com slash ketones. And additionally, if you guys want to check out some ketone IQ, you can go to hvmn.com slash luke, and you're going to get 30% off your first subscription. And I'll link that in the show description and also in the show notes at lukestory.com slash ketones. That's hvmn.com slash Luke. I've got a hot tip here for affordable sauna therapy. You heard it right. Check this out. If you want to burn more calories, just sitting on your ass, detoxify your body, ease stress, and unwind, then listen up, my friends. Bond Charge is a holistic wellness brand with a huge range of evidence-based products to optimize your life big time. From blue light glasses and red light therapy to EMF management and circadian-friendly lighting, Bond Charge products help you naturally address the issues of our modern-day way of life effortlessly and with maximum impact. And my favorite new product from Bond Charge is their infrared sauna blanket. Now, I love this thing because it's portable and much more budget-friendly than a traditional sauna. Because I get messages somewhat frequently from listeners struggling to afford many of the exotic high-tech modalities we discuss here on the show. Well, if that's you, this is definitely a great option. The sauna blanket raises your heart rate to that of physical exercise, so it actually burns calories while you relax. You can burn up to 600 calories in just one session. It's nuts. And of course, sweating also helps flush out heavy metals and other toxins, which are so prevalent in our modern world. I love the sauna blanket for road trips and quick sweat sessions at home. It heats up really fast and your head sticks out so your head doesn't get hot. So you just sweat like crazy very quickly. Plus, it's extremely low EMF, which is something I'm always looking for. If you're ready to grab one of these Bond Charge sauna blankets, here's what you do. Go to bondcharge.com and use the coupon code LIFESTYLIST to save yourself a cool 15%. That's B-O-N-C-H-A. R-G-E, bondcharge.com. And again, that code is lifestylist. How do ketones help with flow state? 
That's, I think if I could nail down my experience, that's what it is. Yeah, you felt like some good flow state moments. Yeah, I mean, even today in this conversation, sometimes I'm like a little squirrely during podcast recordings, and today I feel, I don't know, feel in the flow. Feel like yeah. we, I don't how, I don't know how long we've been talking, but I that's that tells me that there's some flow state going on. Yeah. When I lose track of time and I'm just having fun and I feel alert and relaxed at the same time, that's how I would quantify flow state. Yeah, a lot of people describe it as like runner's high in a bottle, which is its own form of flow state. Uh, basically, what's going on is that your your brain is getting energy that it needs, but it's not going past that band of being overactivated, which sugar, caffeine, like the standard energy sources that are ubiquitous in the in our diets, those those tend to help up to a point, and then at, past that point, they make us overactivated. So flow state is this very special band. Like there's an upper limit to how activated you want to be where flow state is like you're sitting between like you're not tired and and dis, and like, you know, distracted, but you're not like hyper and ADD and jumping all around. You're like the right level of active. So that's the hard thing about I mean that that's just that's a fundamentally hard problem to solve with like the human human brain is like being active but not too active. And there seems to be something about ketones that helps people get to that stage but without over making you overactive the way that like a like sugar because sugar like makes you really active and then you crash. Like sugar like takes you above the band and then like below the band quickly. Caffeine like makes you really like you make people really jittery, like your hands are sweaty, hard time tracing your thoughts. Um, and then eventually you crash out of it. So like what you want to do in general, and I'm just trying to like plug ketones, like find things that work for you that help you stay within that band, whether that's like certain times of the day, when do you feel like you're in that band, certain things that you eat, is there like certain types of exercise, is there a sequencing of like exercising and then work, or like working first thing in the day for a few hours and then exercising, getting back to work, like being very mindful of of that band and and not wanting not going too high above it not going too far below like maybe for some people when the when it's the sun is top in the in the sky and it's noon you might feel very energetic that might be the wrong time regardless of like caffeine or sugar ketones or anything like you might just be too at an animal level too like activated and excited to be sitting at your computer when your body knows it's like it's sunshine time like it's it's time to go do stuff um that's interesting that you mentioned that because I find that when solar noon-ish is happening that I always want to go outside and sit in the sun and then take an ice bath. Do it, yeah. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> I, never, I never put it together that there was any reason. I just feel like I, I can't sit at my desk right now. Like I have to get outside. Yeah. And, and I take my little kind of noon break and most people would eat lunch. I don't eat lunch. I just eat photons. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. And so, and so it's like sequencing your day around that. And I think it's one of the blessings that we have. A lot of people migrate to remote work or work from home where you're really able to set your own schedule. And it's awesome because you can go eat photons for lunch, right? You yeah. don't have like the, the social pressure of like, okay, we must be in at nine. We must pretend to stare at our computers and work for eight hours with the two hour lunch break and then go home. And like, we don't have to like do that ruse anymore for a lot of people. Like, 
and even I think in a lot of workplaces, like just more like flexibility, like just get your get your stuff done. And if you're not in that kind of workplace, like work hard to get yourself into a profession or workplace or career track where you, like you do have at least that degree of autonomy and you are looked at more for your output versus like the hours that you're like doing performative staring at your computer screen. Because yeah, like I, I, we've hit on a couple different ways. Like there's special like bands in the day where you can just get so phenomenally much done and there's other times in the day where like your energy levels are low or their or your energy levels are too high and like you're going to be out of band to be able to effectively work so instead of like trying to force yourself to do it like i also think just is along the lines of like people overestimate maybe how many decisions they can make in the day i think people also overestimate the number of like truly productive hours i think if you have like three truly productive hours in the day you're doing great like if you actually sat down and for three hours we're doing awesome work you get a lot done like i think that's i think that's more than most people i think we go into our into our lives into our days thinking oh it was like an eight hour work day then i think then that eight hours is spent like performative and that there's like actually like way is there's like not even very much of that at all that is spent in like deep work so i think we like over in a way overestimate but then like we're so stressed by like the performance of pretending to work for eight hours and that's what it takes up all of our energy that most people i think get like zero minutes of like deep work done 100 <laughs> percent. yeah i mean that's one of the things about working for yourself is is undoing the programming that if you didn't put in eight hours that you didn't get anything valuable uh -huh. done right because yeah. <laughs> we're kind of indoctrinated into that when we get into the workforce right and it's taken some time for me to undo that and if I actually track what happens in my most productive three hours it's probably more meaningful than if I was under the gun of a supervisor Absolutely. that was wanting to make sure that I stayed busy looking for eight hours <laughs> I would actually get less done right but it's like you have to you have to be uh, I think gentle with yourself as a self-employed person or an entrepreneur to really track like not how long you worked but what did you actually get done and how meaningful were those tasks? Yeah. Right. And then and yeah, then you it's really it's a good point. And then you start paying a lot of attention to like where, what energy band are you inside of? Like how yeah. do I catch the most of that as possible? Like what overexcites me? Like do I feel really excited after I eat? Do I feel really tired after I exercise? Like how do I like what is the right rhythm to my day to where like what lands me in that productive band? Um, I think everyone has their own. Like I think every successful person I've met has some rhythm to their day. I don't do meetings afternoon or I do all my meetings in the morning. I have this time. I right. Like I think 100%. that's the art, art of living is like, yeah. and I don't think anyone can really do it for you. I think we can like collect notes from how other people do it and draw inspiration. And I would say that the kind of meta lesson on it is like design your own day like well, hopefully as you get more and more success in life you like have more and more power to design your own day and then you'll get more and more successful and it's like this positive feedback 100 percent. you know it's funny over the years that i've been doing this podcast my uh start time for recordings has gotten later and later because <laughs> i feel like I think just a couple months ago we had them at 12 and then people started showing up to record and I was like, oh my God, it's so early. Like I can, <laughs> can't do a recording right now. I think now one is the, is the earliest, but then I can't do them after four because I'll be kind of dopey. Yeah. You know, my sweet spot is like one to four. And it's like, if you nail that sweet spot, it's like on a tennis racket. It's like 
you just nail the sweet spot every time yeah. you're good. Like yeah. if you actually like if, if for people listening out there, it's like if you actually hit hit something for three hours like every single day, like if you make a podcast of this caliber every single day, like you like you're gonna crush. Like if you actually hit yeah. like that like solid chunk of productive work in your day where you're in flow and you're like taking big ideas and making them reality and everything's like logical and you're inspiring the team around you and like every like everyone knows what that good work state feels like if you can actually get there reliably for several hours every single day i think you're doing like awesome and you're like better than like 99 percent this I guy agree. who won the um he won the like the fields medal which is like the nobel prize in in math and he's like he's like he like wrote one page a day and then wow. beyond that, he just like went for walks. Wow, <laughs> my kind of like, guy. My kind of guy. I love that. <laughs> well, it's, it's it's important too to celebrate one's uniqueness, right, and not compare yourself to other people. I know you you know Ben Greenfield, mm-hmm. and you know I hear Ben say, "Oh, I get up at four in the morning, do my hour workout, and then I'm at my desk at five, You know, and I'm like, "Oh God, I suck. I'm not at my desk till eleven. You know, <laughs> it's just like no. But then. You know, he, I'm sure, has his flow state sweet spot of whatever his hours are. They just might happen to be a few hours earlier yeah. in the day. And maybe at it's, 3 o'clock when I'm in my total peak productivity, he's, he's taking a nap or something, right? It's, I think that's celebrating our uniqueness and, and getting that self-understanding and self-knowledge goes a long way toward our, our productivity and creativity and avoiding the trap of comparing ourselves to other people because everyone has a different kind of output level and an output window. Yeah, yeah. And which I think Ben does. Like I, when I stay with him in Spokane, yeah, you're right. At 5 a.m., he's, he's there. He's butt naked. He's got the infrared lights. He's doing work, sending emails. Like, I don't he's, get it. he's reading three different science studies. Like he's real deal. And then yeah. also he, he relaxes. And when, it, like, when his kids have free time, they're out like practicing archery in the backyard so like he he has his own like ups and downs throughout the day and for him it works just go full power animal first thing in the morning and then like ride the the wave of the day in a different way jeff bezos amazon founder former ceo he talked about the importance of putzing around in the morning and he didn't do anything important until i think like 10 and he just yeah it's just important for me that's to, what's up to, to yeah to like put, i think he said putter around and this is like late in his career when he, like Amazon was yeah. like a real whatever like hundred billion dollar company, and there's like important people who want who need to talk to him and like get stuff done. And he's like, I'm I'm puttering. Like I'm, I'm, I'm like, so happy to hear that because <laughs> I judge myself sometimes, you know, because it's like I start my day so late, and I'm just like, am I getting anything done? It just I am, but it's just later than your average person. Yeah, and it's funny, you know, like my wife is the morning person. Like she wakes up wide awake ready to rock and roll, do whatever work, task, like anything she's doing. And then later in the afternoon, like if I have to talk to her about something that requires some degree of cognition, she's like, talk to me about it tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> Let alone late at night, like nothing's happening. It's just time to relax, you know? So it's, it's interesting how nature designed us so differently. Yeah. Uh, in terms of the flow state thing, since we're kind of on that, are you aware of any studies that anyone's done around what's happening to our brain waves on high ketones? Because um, what you're describing, and I love the way you framed it in that bandwidth, right, of like stimulants take us kind of too high and then we come down below the sweet spot. 
it seems to me a, a high alpha waves would kind of be where that sweet spot is. Is there any relevance to that that you're aware of? That's really interesting hypothesis. And that's something we've looked at directly. I, we've seen like hormonally that there's a increase in uh, parasympathetic activity that like parasympathetic tone increases and that um, like reduction in stress hormones takes place. I'd be very curious to see how that maps to actual like brain waves because yeah. Next time I do a round of neurofeedback, I'm gonna try it. Yeah. Yeah. Actually I have this thing called the Mendy. Have you heard of the Mendy? No. Oh, it's over in that drawer over there, so I, my lazy ass would get up and show you. Uh, it's like at home neurofeedback. And essentially, it trains your brain to flood your prefrontal cortex with your brain to flood that area. It forces oxygenated blood <laughs> into that part of your brain. So it's really good for, you know, all day later on, focus and creativity and easing anxiety and stuff. It's super cool. How does it work? Like, what is um, what's the, what Well, is it's, the there's interface? a phone app. It, like, on, in neurofeedback, you'd have QEEG. This works with, like, an infrared sensor okay. on your forehead. And so it's sensing blood flow and probably temperature. But you're looking at an app on your phone, and then there's little, there's like a little graph. You're watching a little ball go up or go down, and it's going up as you're getting more blood flow to that part of your brain. And so there's like a sound prompts that are rewards when your brain's doing what you want it to do. It's, yeah. it's rad. It's only like $300. I mean, neurofeedback is super expensive. Um, so this is, is, I think a really effective and affordable way to do it, but I have not tested my scores with the ketone IQ. That would be really interesting. Let me know what you find out. Yeah, because I curious. test nootropics and microdosing. I do all kinds of weird shit, and then I get on that thing, and I see what my brain's doing. So, yeah, I'd be curious we've to seen, see how that works. We've seen increase in HRV, which, again, is a oh, really? signal of parasympathetic activity. So, yeah, we've seen, like, hormonal basis. We've seen HRV basis. I'm very curious. I'm going to... The brainwave thing. At that. Yeah, the That's brainwave a good, that could be very interesting. A good area, yeah, of research. Yeah, I'm going to test the HRV. Like I said, I've never had one. Maybe I just assumed it would give me too much energy and interrupt my sleep, but I'm going to try ketone IQ a few nights, like right before I get in bed and see if it has an effect on my HRV on the aura ring. Yeah. That'd be cool. I mean, Because mine's pretty steady, but then there'll be random nights where my HRV totally sucks and I can't track what it is. So if I could reliably get that recovery in that would be really interesting yeah yeah i, I love just geeking out on this yeah, stuff yeah, I, I appreciate that you're willing to go there and like cover yeah. every possible nuance of it i love it i love it um so back in the day um when i first dis this is maybe i don't know five years ago or something i started taking i forget it was like a powdered ketone kind of thing and it was super crazy expensive it was prohibitive least at that time to do every day so it was kind of like on a special occasion type thing you guys seem to have cracked the code on making ketones super affordable are you like more affordable than other versions of it out there and yeah. how, how the hell did you do that yeah we figured out the best way to deliver ketones in terms of just like grams of ketones per dollar we make it through a fermentation process and oh. that took non-trivial know-how to figure out how to how to do that in the early days in our v1 it was it was not made that way and it's really cool so well first of all this ketone dial that we have it it occurs in nature so like it you can find it inside of avocados bell peppers it's, it's out there in the world extraction would be really expensive uh just finding like the trace amount of 
ketone diol inside of avocado and then what do you do with the rest um avocados are hell expensive too yeah yeah so not very not very environmentally friendly either you know i think a lot of environmentalists plant-based people don't realize avocado trees use a lot of water yeah (laughs) I i saw this documentary about um you know how you have like the drug cartels in Mexico? Yeah, There's like avocado cartels. It's a whole thing. Anyway, I digress. I, I kind of believe it because yeah. And in that block. they were, <laughs> and I, I forget the name of it. Forgive me, those listening, because it will not be in the show notes because I forget the name. But yeah, there was all of the, the really bad news about the environmental impact of growing that particular fruit. Much like um, nuts, you know, people think they drink almond milk to save the world. Almond trees use a shit ton of water, as evidenced in the droughts in Central California. Yeah, yeah, it's like gallons per. Yeah, it's it's wild. Yeah. So, um, but that that was a covert way to shout out regenerative agriculture. Yeah, <laughs> animal so, agriculture. So the, yeah, it's all to the point where the way that the way that we make ketone IQ is a fermentation process where we take specialized bacteria. It's actually very similar to how you would make a kombucha or wine or oh wow any other fermentation process. It's like a very specialized bacteria that when you feed it. Uh, you can feed it plant material, and then it produces the ketone dial, and then you like filter out everything that you don't need. So we do it completely cradle to grave, sustainable. So wow. it's it's super neat. It's are there? Um, you know, I always want to. I have had the opportunity to go to a couple factories. Like I went to the um, uh, like a colloidal silver factory, silver robotics out in um, in Salt Lake City, and I don't know if everyone's like this, but I'm a guy. I want to know how everything works. You know, so they give me yeah. a tour of the factory. There's these massive stainless steel vats and all these tubes feeding the water in and out and melting the silver. It was so fascinating. So, what is where is your stuff made? Like, is it in multiple places and laboratories? Are there big old crazy vats fermenting all this stuff? Yeah, yeah. When we got started, it was very lab bench based, a very manual process. It was super expensive and and crazy tasting too. Because even like the tiniest impurity can make something taste crazy. If people are familiar with like spirits, vodkas, that kind of th- stuff, like the like point oh one percent, that can like completely change the pro t- the flavor profile of something. So early days, it was very very manual, very expensive, uh, very challenging flavor profile and now yeah like we basically the the state of the art of this bio fermentation process has gotten to a point where we're able to do it at scale so there's like yeah, giant vats we have there's there's uh, multiple facilities that that do it and we're able to make at a large scale a really refined like pure and is that scalability how you've managed to get it so affordable? Because yeah. one of these little bottles is what, like four or five bucks or something? Yeah, yeah. It's four ninety five at like uh, Sprouts. We're nationwide in Sprouts. We're in Equinox. We're always opening more doors. On our website, it's cheaper because just it, it's a large. If you buy a larger amount, we have some. some like, and you bundles. have the the larger bottles too, right? With like a little shot glass that you that you use. I've had a few of those too. Yeah, yeah, you can buy the uh, multi-serve. It's more concentrated and lower cost. And that, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a big part of how we were able to bring down the cost. And in theory, we can keep bringing it down more just because the the component pieces are cheap. Like, where it's like plant material and it's like in, in principle can be very low cost. We're still like, 
early days of it or there's a lot of you know upfront expense into making like machinery and like getting it all off the ground that we're still like on an entrepreneurial level like like figuring out but in theory uh it's kind of how like computers are have gotten like so much cheaper over the like 20 40 years ago like a gigabyte was like a truck and that's, it cost dude, dude, that's so now, true. Now it's like a gigabyte. I don't know. You have like a terabyte inside of your phone. That's so true. Whenever I have to order new backup hard drives, I'm always like, ah, I should wait. You know, I don't want to spend the money. And then it'll be every couple of years I need to re-up like, yeah. my storage. And I'm like, this thing's $60 now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like 10 terabytes or whatever. I'm like, what? what? Is this like a bunk brand or something? Like, oh, no, they just went down. I remember, yeah, back... You know what I'm saying? When you had to buy, like, it would be, like, one terabyte. I don't know. It was $300 or whatever it was. Oh, yeah. It's just, like, you can just order my Amazon all day long. They're most, like, disposable. It's interesting how that works on, like, an economics perspective because, like, usually, like, the rule of, like, supply and demand is that when you have high demand, the price of things goes up, right? If everyone demands avocados, the price of avocados will go up. But in this case, with a lot of technologies, when the demand goes up, then, like, it's motivating for more suppliers to innovate more quickly against that demand. So actually the price goes down. It kind of like breaks the fundamental supply and demand law. I don't know if that's obvious to people or not. No, like, it, the supply and demand law that you learn in economics 101, it's like, it's true about like normal commodities, but in technology, you, when there's higher demand, you'll actually motivate more parties to make more innovations that will ultimately drive down the cost. Yeah, 100%. It's funny, I was talking to uh, the guys from Mendy about that the other day, and when they developed their technology, I mean, they could have had 10x margins and charged way more for it, but they approached it with accessibility and just fairness in mind, knowing, so they sell the thing for 300 bucks, they could have sold it for 1200 or whatever yeah. easily, and people would have bought it because it, it works and there's so much data behind it. But their idea was um, the CEO, Moha, is a really great guy. And he's like, I actually want to find a way to just make it free, wow. which would be, yeah. I guess, covered by insurance would be the way to make yeah, it yeah. free, to get it medically approved or whatever process has to go through. But I think a lot of founders are starting to think more from that perspective of scalability. It's like, say, in the case of ketones, there's a relatively small portion of the population that even knows that it's a thing, right? You're in Sprouts, but imagine like you're in every single gas station, every single grocery store, and it just becomes ubiquitous to the point where, duh, everyone takes a shot of ketones every morning. It's just like what you do. Yeah. Like everyone drinks water. It seems to make sense that the inverse supply and demand thing that you describe would become more prevalent. And that's yeah. one thing that I'm really hopeful about because I don't like that a lot of the supplements and biohacking tech is uh, so exclusive yeah you know so many people listen to a show like this and like oh, i want to try that but the thing's three thousand dollars or fifteen thousand dollars or functional medicine doctors you know used to be way more expensive now there's all this telemedicine where you can do it on zoom and you can get your labs for three hundred dollars instead of you know trying to put them on your insurance and getting billed a thousand dollars i think in certain ways in terms of the health industry that this is becoming more of a trend the accessibility and affordability and that that makes me really happy i mean i feel that like i don't super care about getting rich like to me i want to make ketones for everyone like to get it out there is a nutritional primitive that everyone can have like it gets pretty lofty but it's like taking humanity to a 
next level? Like, what can we fuel with that's better than what we're fueling with right now? I think that would just be like, cool. 100%. Like, I, of 100%. course, like, yeah, people, like, whoever does that will make money along the way. But it's like, if I didn't do that, someone else would. To me, it's like an inevitability. Yeah. It's like, if, I don't know, Steve Jobs didn't do Apple, would computers still have happened? Like, yeah, still probably, you know? Like, there was still enough of a, of a groundswell around that. Like, I see there's enough of a groundswell around, like, wellness and, like, objectivity around it. And that, like... The, ketones in particular is like fundamental that we've always used and that now that there's efficient ways to make a pure version of it that's bioavailable like that's totally going to happen and like it's just like fun to usher that into the world in like a kind of like universal sense it's like uh it's i feel like it is like participating in the human dance of like bringing this to life that's what motivates me more than like i don't know there's like easier ways to get rich like i have a lot of friends from stanford who are doing who have like finance jobs this this that whatever like there's a lot of ways to get rich in the world yeah well the thing is though too is like i mean i like money because it provides a certain degree of flexibility and freedom in your life like there's a trip i want to go on right now and um we just didn't have the money and i'm like that's annoying to me. <laughs> you know, it's just—it's not even extravagant. I just want to go up to Idaho and Montana and like hang out and prospect around and just get to know that land a bit more. And it was just like, ah, maybe next summer. Also to escape the heat here. So it's not like—I don't know. Wealth to me is not that appealing in terms of just hoarding material things. It's more about the freedom to have experiences, you know. Yeah. But I find that the less I focus on making money to make money and the more i focused on just putting out good energy and goodwill out into the world that the money just follows it's a weird paradox i've i've learned just as an entrepreneur and a self-employed person for so long it's so interesting what do you call that just like the thing that you want to reach out and grab you can't but if you do these other <laughs> yeah. things that thing it reminds me of like dating so when i was single it's like yeah if you like if you come on too heavy and like you're like trying to get with this girl it never works, but if you just go out to like have fun with the boys and have a good time, like magic happens. Like, yeah, if you're just like a yeah. good person who's like fun, loving, and like warm, then like you attract everything that you wanted to you. But like you can't go out and like grab the fish. You can't go out and like grab money. The thing that you want is like, but yet you can have an abundance of it if you do the other work around it. You just can't like stare. You can't stare directly at the sun. You can have sunshine, but you can't, like don't stare directly at I it. I like that. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, there must be something in just kind of the law of reciprocity, right? And the laws of goodwill of just like everyone. Val- I think most people, maybe not, um, you know, a, a monk who's renounced his material life or something, but your average person obviously like finds life to be more comfortable when you have money. But it's it's so true that sometimes it's elusive when that's our primary motivator. And I think that, um, well, I don't think, I've observed it in my life that many people who have been primarily motivated by wealth with, at the exclusion of service, just for the sake of service, achieve those goals and find an emptiness and a lack despite the fact that they're abundant in resources right it's like your heart and your spirit is now left empty and many people hit a real wall with that later in life right yeah because they get all the things they're like okay cool 
I got it now, and then womp womp. Yeah, it didn't do what you thought it was going to do. Yeah, you know, it's it's really it's interesting. It's also very soul sucking in my experience to do something solely for money. I had an opportunity recently with a, a business that I had for many years, and uh, sat on that business for a couple of years, and just recently exited. And it was sitting there, and I knew that I could have fired it up and made tons of money with relatively little work. I literally couldn't do it. You know, like, come on, Luke, just relaunch the website, get it, get it up and going, and you know, you'll make money, you can pay off your bills, and this and that, and I'm just like, I just could not be motivated to send one email to even start the fire. I couldn't, there was no spark, you know, and it was a really great lesson in, in what we're covering now, which yeah. is totally off topic, but interesting maybe for entrepreneurs and people listening. It was a really great lesson in identifying my values, yeah. what's really important to me. Because I think money's fairly important to me. But here I was with this opportunity to make a bunch of money doing something that I really am not, I don't care about, and I'm not motivated to do. You could put a gun to my head, I wouldn't have done it. I don't care how much money I would have made, you know? Yeah. So it's like to the point of like, well, then what am I going to do? Well, just keep doing the thing that I love to do, just talking to people like you and sharing information that's been transformative for me and I find cool stuff, tell people about it. And then all of a sudden, you know, there's food in the fridge and maybe someday I'll be able to afford my trip to Idaho. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but things, things do tend to happen. I think when you're doing, if you're doing the thing for which you have true passion and a little bit of talent, you're golden. Yeah. Uh, last thing I, I want to well ask. Said. Last thing I want to ask you about is um, the flavor profile. I know you probably have been through many iterations of this fermentation uh, process. Now I happen to be someone that can eat or drink just about anything if I know that I'm going to get the benefit that I'm yeah. looking for. So I drink ketone IQ, whatever. It's pretty hard to get down, even for me. But I don't care at all because of the benefits which we've discussed today. Um, do you find that the flavor is a barrier to entry for anyone? My technique, yeah. by the way, is I have a, a chaser nearby of something tasty, and I just shoot down the shot, and then I drink something else, and I don't really notice it. But I noticed it this morning because I was like, I'm going to try two today and see what happens. So I, I drink one and didn't have anything to drink, and I was like, oh, shit. There's no way I could get my wife to drink one of these, for example. I don't think because she's more sensitive to flavor. Yeah. So what, like, could you take this and mix it with another tasty drink that would mask it and then just sip it throughout the day? Or yeah. like, what are some hacks around the flavor? Or is it not a problem for most people? Yeah, it's 100% something that comes up. And we always say it tastes like rocket fuel because it works like rocket fuel. And, well, well done. Good marketing there. And <laughs> yeah, it's got a taste to it. And I would say it's not unlike, you know, the first time you tried kombucha or a lot of spirits out there like have a really aggressive taste and a lot of people get used to it over time uh as far as what you can do to make it nicer is like put it in the fridge like a lot of things like coca-cola i keep mine in the fridge yeah so putting it in the fridge like you know coca-cola every beverage like pretty much tastes better refrigerated so even though it doesn't need to be in the fridge it's shelf stable it's it's going to be a better experience to have refrigerated like you're doing already. Um, you can also mix it with things. So I like to mix it with um, a few different things. So I like to mix it with like an electrolyte, like whatever your favorite electrolyte That's flavor a good idea. is, and water, and then like fresh squeezed lemon, I feel like adds a really nice touch to it. So I actually have that in my water bottle. Like every morning I'll take two shots of ketone IQ, 
Oh, you double up right first dub- thing in the morning. Double huh? up and yeah, put in a, a stick pack of electrolyte powder and a, a whole, I'll squeeze a fresh lemon in there, put a bunch of ice in there and I just like have that throughout the day. It's awesome. It just feels really That's a good idea. That's it what, tastes really good. I haven't experimented. I just chase it with stuff, but I haven't experienced, uh, experimented with mixing it. I don't know why that just occurred to me. It's nice. Another thing people can do is mix it with like, you know, there's all these like alternative sodas, like Olipop, Poppy, like different, like lower yeah. sugar. If you pick your one, I, every time I mention one, like people come after me because of one ingredient. So oh, diet, co- okay. <laughs> everyone has a problem with everything, but it makes it find um, your, your low sugar uh, soda of choice. Bro, try having a podcast. <laughs> oh my God. I'll find some like great drink and someone, it has natural flavors. I'm like, dude, like you can't win them all. You yeah. know what I'm saying? It's like, it for me it's always the cost to benefit ratio some things are perfect like ghee a perfect food right provided there's nothing weird in it so nature does make things but in terms of humans making things sometimes there's citric acid or i don't know flavorings and things like that and i you know i would prefer everything is just 100 percent organic off the earth but there are times when they're not but yeah that's a, that's a funny funny thing people get real I'm super finicky, but I mean, some people that listen to the show are like hardcore finicky. Yeah. Uh, have you tried, uh, I got to turn you on to some, I'll, I'll give you guys one for the road. I think I have a couple cool ones. Have you tried this drink uh, update? No. Oh, bro. All right. You know how we were talking about, um, this is probably a great stack for the flavor because okay. I usually use the update drink as a chaser for the ketone IQ. Yeah. I bet I could freaking mix them. Let's try it. Now, update isn't, like the tastiest drink in the world but it is so freaking awesome they discovered uh this uh, molecule called paraxanthine and it's one of the three metabolites in caffeine that gives you energy and mental clarity and all the great things we love about caffeine but it excludes the two parts about the two constituents of caffeine that make it suck the theobromine and whatever the third one is so this update drink has a number of other taurine and amino acids and things like that that you'd find like in an energy drink, like a Red Bull kind of drink, but like good versions of it, uh, B vitamins and whatnot. But the paraxanthine is the greatest thing ever because <laughs> it's like you had a cup of coffee without any of the potential downsides of the coffee. I'm a massive fan. I'm a freaking obsessed with it. Um, so there's your hot tip Very for the day. Yeah. yeah, this guy, uh, Sean Wells. Um, is the formulator behind it and I, I had them on the show recently and I, I don't get that excited. I mean, it's a drink. Like, how excited are you going to get? But this shit has changed my life. It's amazing. Cool. So I'm going to try mixing yeah. yours in there because it's fizzy and kind of naturally yeah. sweet and stuff. That might be a good combo. Yeah. Adaptogens are powerful, natural substances that help our bodies manage stress and restore balance after a challenging situation like being human on planet Earth. So if you haven't been taking adaptogens after the past three years of madness, listen up. Anima Mundi Apothecary has crafted a whole line of adaptogens, tonics, and powders with all the classics like chaga, reishi, and cordyceps, plus some lesser-known herbs like miracle grass. They've even got an herbal coffee replacement and a seven-mushroom blend made with cacao. My personal go-tos are their ashwagandha and lion's mane mushroom. 
Ashwagandha is well known for its ability to calm, soothe, and strengthen the body. In Ayurveda, it belongs to a group of super elixirs that are deeply healing to the mind and emotions. And of course, lion's mane mushrooms reduce anxiety and depression and even aid in cognitive function. In fact, as far as the mushroom goes, I got to say lion's mane are my number one go-to. I get both of these in powders that I blend into my morning smoothie every day, but you can take more as needed depending on what's going on in your life at any given moment. I highly encourage you to check out their full line of products at animamundiherbals.com and use the code LUKE15 to save 15% off. Adaptogens hold a deep intelligence that gives the body precisely what's needed. So if you're anxious, they calm you. If you're fatigued, they boost your energy and stamina. And the scientists out there still don't understand how they work, but work they do, and that's what counts. To check it out for yourself, again, visit animamundiherbals.com. That's A-N-I-M-A-M-U-N-D-I. Animamundisherbal.com, and your code is LUKE15. Well, hot damn, dude. I think, uh, I think, oh no, I want to ask you one more thing. Yeah. Uh, I just doing my research. I learned this about you. You you went on Shark Tank. That's right. And and didn't didn't get the thing. What happened with that? I've yeah. never seen the episode, but so the, we we found it online. I was curious what that was like to go on and like pitch your idea and have them be like, "Meh, we're passing." This is this is a million years ago. This is great. No, zero regrets. I, I if anyone gets a chance to go on Shark Tank, like a hundred percent do it. Uh, and this is from someone. Were you the presenter? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. My co-founder and I went on okay. and. Uh, and look who's laughing now. <laughs> no, for real. I mean, it was, it's all good. It's all they missed like, the opportunity. They missed the opportunity. We fundraised at a significantly higher valuation from legit investors since then. It's all good. Like, it's yeah. awesome because, uh, well, first of all, like, if you go on, you might get it and do a deal. That's great. And then even if you don't, it's just a phenomenal experience. Like, the ad, it's like a primetime ad for your product and for, like, you as a entrepreneur personal brand like you just get it out there and like if you don't get a deal but you like show up well with good composure people still like you like people aren't going to be like oh mark cuban didn't like you i don't like you like a lot of times people hate a lot of times people watching the show they don't like the sharks they think the sharks are too mean on the entrepreneurs like they'll take the entrepreneur side so like it's it's not a like oh did you win or lose shark tank like the way that you win it is just like go on and be dope and say your thing and if you get a deal cool if you don't a lot of the deals that get done live on air quote unquote actually never consummate only like half of them come true actually because i don't know people are like throwing around hey i'll give you 800k for five percent of your company i've never even looked at the books or anything about it and then they do a little bit of diligence you know after the cameras are rolling and it's like hmm like oh, i don't know like so a lot like so a lot of deals don't even actually go through um, it's an awesome show. The, the sharks are awesome. It was a super professional experience. Like they like shot it for a while and they edited it down really tight. Um, I would do it again. Like, yeah, it's a cool, it's a fun show. Yeah. I haven't watched it in a long time, but I would say when I was many years ago watching it somewhat regularly, I always sided with the entrepreneurs cause I felt bad for them. Yeah, yeah. Just like, Oh my God, <laughs> the courage it takes to like, come at that room and just the way it's positioned is like oh you're not shit we've made all this money and all these different ventures and things like that i mean it's it's a tough audience you know yeah. to sit there in front of them just like man god bless you and every once in a while as a viewer i'd be like okay your idea really yeah. does suck <laughs> yeah, you know yeah, yeah. 
But most of the time, even if it's like a so-so idea, you're really rooting for the the entrepreneur. You know, it's like, yeah. man, that takes so much courage. I mean, just to start a company, whether or not it goes anywhere or not, is is exceedingly difficult. I like that it's a popular show. I think it's like says something good. So about- it's still out and everything. It's still going. I'm totally clueless. Yeah, yeah, they're I'm, still okay. releasing episodes. Okay. They all like rotate the judges. Um, I should probably watch it more so I can learn about business because I know very little about it. It's, it. People talk about like raising this and that. I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about. So yeah, I could probably learn a lot. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, a, it's like edutainment. Like, yeah. oh, how do yeah, how do you raise? Like, how do you think about how much would you dilute your ownership in your company? For? All this stuff. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and it's not like super advanced. It's cool that like. It's accessible to any American or person in the world in general. It, to me, it's like an embodiment of the American spirit in a lot of ways, where it's like, yeah, you can start a company, you can go pitch it, you can go like, the ecosystem is alive and well. Like, it's a whole ecosystem, right? Where I don't think everyone has to go and take investment, but I think knowing that that can be an option, that like, hey, yes, like you can work hard on something, and somewhere between when you started it and when it's reached its final form, you can sell a piece of it to an outsider to capitalize your business. So you have more working capital to go keep building towards it. Like, so that what would have taken you 20 years, maybe only takes you 10 years. And like, that's a cool mechanism that we have available to us in, in our legal system and our society. And it's cool that it's been like made for like primetime TV. Like fun. Like to me, that's more fun than like, I don't know, nine out of 10 reality TV shows. I'm not going to name yeah, names. Yeah. It's like whatever, random like dating show. It's like, sure. Okay, cool. Like, I hope they <laughs> bang. I don't, or not. I don't care. Like, <laughs> whatever. It's just like, it's to me, it's like more yeah. Shark Tank. It's at least like, like reaching towards something more uh, aspirational. Too. Yeah. It's, there's, there's drama in, in that it's suspenseful, right? And you're rooting for someone and not the other one and stuff, but it's also educational. Yeah, yeah check cool. it out. I think so. I mean, yeah, you'd, lo- you'd love dude, it, dude. I didn't even know. Yeah, I got to look at your episode. That'd be so funny to look back and have them be like, eh, and see that you guys, you know, persevered and kept going and are doing great. Yeah, it was weird. Like it was like a different, like prior brand and all that. So it was oh, like okay. IQ even then. Oh, okay. So it was like prior. Um, what was the product that you guys were pitching? Yeah, so uh, we had a had a nootropics company and specifically had a product that's called Go Cubes and it was a chewable coffee. And oh. people still, people really liked it. What happened was, so it, was, it did really well. Um, it was a chewable coffee cube that had like half a cup of coffee. It was gummy. Uh, it came in a four pack. We got pretty good distribution on it. And then as I was taking off, like we were, I was like doing like multi million dollars a year business. That was when my co founder and I saw this opportunity around ketones and making like a pure ketone and it was one of the hardest decisions i made as an entrepreneur because we had this business that was doing like pretty good and we had to let it go in order to go for something that felt like really really freaking good and oh wow and arguably like i don't know you can always like you know in hindsight hindsight is 2020 like could we have like sold it or could we have like kept them both in parallel or could one co-founder have done one and the other did another like we just decided like okay like this is cool but at the end of the day, it's like, we could probably make money here. It's kind of similar to your story. Like, we could make money here, but it's not going to feel as, like, inspiring. It wasn't so bad, like, put a gun to my head. Like, I actually liked that product. But it felt like, okay, this is going to be, like, you know, a fun way to make money, but not going to change the world. Because, like, caffeinated gummy cues. That's cool. That has gotten us to this platform where we're now able to, like, 
credibly do something like even big. We're able to bring a new nutritional primitive out into the world and like get get a big contract with Navy SEALs and Green Berets, like DOD special operator. Like that just seemed like a whole like thank you, thank you, Go Cubes for like getting us to this spot. It's all under the same corporate entity. So the sharks really should have invested because it's all under like, this thesis of doing cool stuff in yeah. human, um, in healthy and modern nutrition. Um, but yeah, I don't know. To, to the extent that that's a helpful story to people out there, like sometimes uh, you got to let go of the, the like booster rocket that got you to a certain level um, and just say like thank you to it and uh, do the next thing. Very cool. Thanks for, thanks for sharing that. I got to go find that episode now. Yeah, you'll get kicked out. Right? I yeah. mean, it would have if if you guys were doing what you do now with the ketones and they passed. I would be like, you guys, they blew it. Yeah. you know, because it's like like I said. I mean, I really envision a world where everyone's just on ketones all the time. I like, think it'll be everywhere. Would, why think, would you not? I think it'll be everywhere. The way that electrolytes or collagen or CBD, like all these other nutritional primitives, are everywhere. I think. Yeah, that's, that's I love it, man. Well, thank you so it. much for joining me. I'm going to remind people to go to hvmn.com slash Luke. Get 30% off your first subscription. And uh, again, all the show notes will be at lukestory.com slash ketones. And before we go, i got one question for you. Drum roll, please. Da, 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 da. Who have been three teachers or teachings that have influenced your life and your work that you'd like to share with us? All right. Well... Growing up in Chicago in the 90s, Michael Jordan, absolutely just the ethos that he carried. And, and, and growing up in that informative years, like you just like, we just like won stuff all the time. Um, I think he, had, he was a special guy, is a special guy, and, and uh, had a certain level of confidence and charm and pugnaciousness and fearlessness that I feel like was baked into myself and a lot of like my friends growing up is just like a reference point of like that's like what what it means to like care deeply and win and like be passionate about what you do um michael jordan steve jobs i've read just everything about him and i like don't care if that's like a you know like a more cliche answer where a lot of people i think sometimes things are cliches like for a reason where uh Steve was a singular mind, like visionary guy. The way that he thought about things, the way that he drew analogies and understood um, understood the technology he was working with, but also understood how to like translate that into an actual user experience. Like he was a technologist, but also a humanist. Like he he understood. He always came back to the customer was what it was a user experience, and he had all these famous instances of like flipping out because like. Uh, like the buttons were wrong or this was wrong, but it was always like in defense of the customer where like that's going to make life 5% more difficult for millions and millions and millions and millions of people. So we're removing that button. Like that button is going to cost like a trillion hours of like headache around the world. And like, we cannot have that button. The way that he, he was just like dogged in his pursuit of like, of this goal of like making great technology, great user experience, um, I think super dynamic individual. Uh, third is I I really love if people have read Shoe Dogs by Phil Knight. It's the Nike story. They actually just made this this movie, which is not as good as the book. Um, Shoe Dog is great. The the 
his story at Nike where he really put, um, he made running a thing. Like people were not, like jogging wasn't really a sport in America. He had this vision for, you know, if, if you have feet, you're a runner. If you have a body, you're an athlete and breathed a ton of light into like this sense of American athleticism and built this great business around it. And like Nike's just this canonical reference point for like a great brand, inspiring brand for a lot of people. It was like the first you know, content marketing, like the, the poster that you would put up in your wall had like the Nike swoosh in it that like they somehow created something that like, even though it's a corporation, it, for a lot of people it feels like it means something bigger. Like that Nike swoosh is like a very powerful, like I can't, like, can't think of like a better uh, constructed symbol in like the modern world that like inspires so many people. So say Michael Jordan, Steve Jobs, Phil Knight. Well, to your um, reference of those being cliche in 500 or so episodes, no one's named any of those three. Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, lo- I love asking that question because it's always a surprise. For many people, it's like, oh, my wife or my dad or Jesus or Buddha. Or, and then sometimes it's someone like that, public figures, entrepreneurs, athletes. Yeah, it's always interesting to me. Maybe I should just drop the c- cliche because maybe it's just cliche in my own head because I think about it. I think it right? might be. I mean, 500 people as like a, you know, a, a group uh, consensus left that out. I've never been into sports uh, at all and know very little about it, but I did enjoy the recent film about the Air Jordans. Yeah. What it was called. Yeah. It's called Air? Yeah, it's called Air, yeah. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah, it was cool. It was cool, yeah. I mean, I don't know how much of it is accurate, but it... I really loved um, how, you know, Michael and his mom like went to bat against this big company and got what they wanted. It's pretty cool. And then set the precedent for those kind of endorsement products and royalties and all that. I didn't know anything about any of that. I was like, oh, shit, that that wasn't always a thing. And then they made it a thing, which is cool. Yeah, it was really interesting because prior to that, like Converse was the big shoe company, but they didn't do cool stuff. Like Converse just signed Larry Bird and Magic Johnson. They all had him wearing the Converse whatever. And then Michael Jordan was like, no, we're going to make the Air Jordans and name it after me, which is one of those things where like now a lot of people do that. Like, the, yeah. like Kim Kardashian has her own makeup line. Like it was cool at that time. It was like so revolutionary to say like, no, I'm going to, I'm not just going to like pump your bags. I'm going to like, I'll work with you, but you got to make like my name goes on the shoe. Yeah. And I think that was like a, a breakthrough moment. I think it's good. Yeah. It's inspiration. Like everything's negotiable. If you're really good, if people really want to work with you for some reason, um, everything's negotiable. Like in that movie, not to give too much away, but like they were like, oh, this has never been done before. And Michael Jordan's mom is like, I don't care. Like, going, like <laughs> <That's> so good. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. Yeah, I loved it. It's just a great American story, you know, very inspiring. Well, man, thank you so much. Great. For, we covered a lot. Making, of- yeah, thanks for making the time. I feel like we did the deepest dive possible. And, uh, and also, thanks for just coming up with something innovative and cool and accessible to people that's like actually moves the needle there's a lot of stuff out there when you go to any health food store it's just like you know everything makes a lot of claims and some of it's helpful some of it less so and some of the things that are really helpful are really super expensive so i like what you guys are doing and uh, i appreciate you taking the time to join me thanks so much for having me and thanks for diving into the world of ketones with me really appreciate yeah it. brother 